Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Yeah, the frustration of when the dates will be and what will happen and when it will happen, all that continues. But by and large, what they usually do, and we're kind of used to this now, like 14 months into it at this stage, that any kind of changes and announcements never include bank holiday weekends. By and large, it's always after a bank holiday weekend. That's why it shouldn't surprise you here this morning that if inter-county travel returns in six weeks' time, it'll be after the June bank holiday weekend. So it'll be after the 5th, the 4th, 5th and 6th. That's the June bank holiday, isn't it? Summer breaks in Ireland is a front page in the mail this morning. They say it may be possible within weeks in the Taoiseach. We have an announcement tomorrow when we should get more clarity with regards to this roadmap, but we're there expecting, at least the mail is, that the Taoiseach will announce that inter-county travel will be back and lifted after the June bank holiday weekend. How that will actually influence people, I don't know, because they may well just decide to leg it for the bank holiday weekend anyway. How do I know that? I know that because the amount of people that are already booking, even for this weekend coming Airbnb. Um, I don't know how you would prove to be essential if you're non-essential to get into a hotel, so that's another matter, but staycations on the cards then from the 7th of June when hotels and B&Bs are also expected to reopen. Um, but if I just take a moment actually because uh, the mail this morning also has a small little graphic as to what we can expect. Um, the next changes will be uh, click and collect. This will be for May. Non-essential retail, hairdressers, barbers, personal services, libraries, museums and galleries. The full reopening of construction. We know of outdoor sports and training for adults. And we know of changes already to, say, for instance, um, uh, funerals. So um, June then. Intercounty travel ban expected to be lifted after the bank holiday weekend. Hotels, B&Bs and guest houses would open then after the bank holiday weekend. Because if you're doing intercounty travel, you need somewhere to stay. Uh, outdoor dining as well. The outdoor dining would be pubs that do food and gastro pubs and also restaurants and hotels and what have you. But that that would be um, uh, outdoor dining. And then for July the possible returning of indoor dining. Now, we know because Diageo have said it that over a thousand of Ireland's um, pubs, a thousand of Ireland's 7,000 traditional pubs, that's like one in seven, are ordering kegs from Diageo for takeaway pints, which means that a thousand pubs in Ireland are doing takeaway pints as we speak. And many within Fianna Fáil, not just senators, but also backbenchers and TDs want traditional pubs to open at the very same time as all other pubs, as you know, the pubs that are that are serving food and what are, will be serving food. They want them all open at the same time. So amazing changes with regards to the rollout of the jabs and say, for instance, pregnant women because of the start, way back at the start when information was sketchy, it was a risk to pregnant women. Then it was okay for pregnant women to get vaccinated, but they'd be vaccinated last. And now we're at a stage where pregnant women are being prioritized. Uh, So the jab changes day by day. So pregnant women can be vaccinated from uh, week 14 onwards. Um, And Pfizer's being offered, Moderna's being offered. But prioritizing pregnant women with vaccine is the story that makes the examiner this morning. Just one jab now will half the spread of the virus. So they have more and more research now into how the vaccine actually reacts in the community. Of course, we do know that we have over 600,000 extra Johnson & Johnson jabs. So we get one setback and then we get a reprieve, another setback and then more good news. And that's just the way it is. So we have over 600,000 
some vaccines um, and many of them of course uh, are you know Johnson and Johnson and, and the single jab but the downside of course to COVID is uh, how it's affected businesses and we see uh, the tourism has been absolutely torn apart um, and it's a story that makes the mail today where they talk about Joe Walsh tours biting the dust after 60 years and everybody at some stage in their life must have booked something with JWT they were a very very big company and also advertised hugely they were great at marketing and they are gone uh, after 60 years with uh, at least 25 jobs at risk uh, used to employ uh, over 100 people I imagine that those numbers must have been higher because they had branches everywhere. But they were well known, actually, for holidays, but certainly for pilgrimages. That was a big part of their business, and they are no more. Uh, the Echo then have a story completely out of left field on their front page. It has nothing to do with anything to do with, uh, you know, COVID or COVID-related issues. It has to do with sex workers in Cork. What interests me about it is that a lot of the sex workers who are in Cork come as part of a sex workers tour, um, and they're continuing to work and to tour and to travel uh, during COVID. I don't know if you were to visit one of them, whether they would have, uh, you know, a COVID search or a vaccine search or whether they're tested or what have you. But the Echo tell us today that some of them are charging up to €2,000 per day. <laughs> Two grand. Two grand. It includes dinner. But where would you actually go for dinner during COVID? Unless you got maybe a burger or a takeout or something. Uh, but it's a front page or it's an Anne Murphy story making the papers today saying that um, sex workers in Cork are offering uh, their services per hour at between 200 and 220 euro per hour. So it's an interesting one. It's different to COVID on the front of the newspaper. Sad news of a motorist. It's another echo story. A motorist in his 40s who died in a single vehicle collision in the N72 at Lombardstown in Mallow yesterday. Happened around about uh, half past three, pronounced dead at the scene. Very sad and tragic news. A lot of court issues making the papers today, and uh, I'm taking the court reports from the Echo this morning. One is the story of a convicted murderer who attempted to suffocate his wife after a New Year's Eve drinks party at their home down in West Cork. He pleaded guilty. Um, The judge actually has uh, adjourned sentencing until May 19th. And he's on bail until then. One guy who's not on bail is the 28-year-old man who's accused of swinging a hammer at the owner of a dog before taking the animal into a waiting car. Now, you're aware of that because that story broke on this radio program. It's the story of um, Rocco, the French bulldog. And Rocco is the much-loved pet of Dennis McCarthy and he was on the air. So Michael Maloney appeared by video link from prison yesterday and he failed in his bail application uh, and uh, that's that actual case is before Judge Olin Kelleher and he's been remanded in custody now until the 11th of May when he's before the courts again regarding the story and the allegation of uh, the hammer and stealing Rocco. Second basking shark washed up on the rocks down uh, out just near uh, Court McSherry and uh, scientists are trying to find out as to why. Um, I suppose that's just, you know, that, that's life and that's evolution, I suppose. And uh, may, I don't know whether there's anything sinister attached to it or whether they, they just died of old age and just washed up onto the beach. But they're very sad photographs and you see them, just the size of the animals. The outdoors also make the echo in the shape of uh, perhaps an opportunity this summer to go and visit an outdoor cinema. And Photo House have announced that they are bringing back their outdoor cinema and they're going to be showing things like Toy Story and they're going to be showing things like The Lion King and The Greatest Showman and Grease, which will be great. Something nice to look forward to. But the Boher story is absolutely shocking. 
the carry-on and the allegations against some of the top dogs in Boher. Uh, one in particular is um, um, uh, accused of allegedly misappropriating over €770,000 from Boher, the charity. It's the story of David Maloney. I mean, uh, what was going on there is just incredible. Fabricating projects, fictitious emails, paying Christmas bonuses, uh, you know, stealing money. Uh, And the uh, Independent this morning, their front and inside pages, um, it makes you very wary of charities when you read stories like that. Over €770,000. At one stage, she, he, he started alleged that he started up some string of fake emails uh, with a Rwandan uh, email address. It was pretending that money was going to Rwanda when it never existed in the first place. And he'd be alleg- allegedly hoovering tens of thousands of euro out of the Boher bank account. And, and on Lighthouse to note, I mentioned dogs yesterday. And we're never too far from a dog story these days. So it's talking about dog anxiety. I don't know, would, would, would cats feel anxious when people go back to work if they go back to work? Or would, would cats even notice the difference? They say the dogs will, though, when the house gets quiet. But the other story regarding dogs is, you know how they say that uh, um, uh, a human's one year is equivalent to, uh, sorry, is, which way is it? That, uh, at the, do you know the one to seven rule where they say that one year is equal to seven years, that one of our years is seven years and a dog? They're saying that that's not true at all. It's more than likely to be three times that. They're saying that one year and a dog, one-year-old one dogs have reached their full height and have gone through puberty. So it's probably not the equivalent that they're saying all along. They're more definitely not equivalent to one in seven. The son actually picks up on the story saying the evidence shows that a one-year-old dog um, is actually probably closer in man ages to a 15-year-old boy. You know, with regards to, if a dog is fully grown, gone through puberty at one, that's 15, not seven. So they're aging twice as fast as your thought, lads. Uh, I hope that that doesn't upset you. And also, one other one, with the brain getting lazy, they say that we should stop taking photographs of memorable events. We should try instead to store them in our brain without relying on our mobile phones phones and our photographs um, to uh, actually do the memory for us. I think that's a load of bunkum. There's nothing like look better. You know these timelines where they say this time last year, this time two years, this time five years ago, and it reminds you of the photographs and the places you are. I mean, who'd want to live without that? That's fantastic and it's great fun. And one other gig that makes the mail today, Bon Jovi are doing gigs. They're not the real McCoy, but they are drive-in concerts. And if you're a Bon Jovi fan, apparently you'll be able to buy tickets to um, one of their gigs. It's a one-night screening that will take place uh, in Leopardstown Racecourse, in Slane, and Cork Racecourse. And each venue, you'll be going along to it to the huge screen, is limited to 250 tickets per screening. So if you're a fan... You might want to be checking that out for May 22nd. Put it in your dance card. The Neil Prenderville Show. All right, lines open at one 106 You can text 0868-104-106. So tomorrow's a big day anyway with regards to announcements and rollouts and being told us what we can and can't do. But anything really significant, and I imagine they're probably accurate and right, anything significant will be inter-county travel, hotels and guest houses directly after the bank holiday weekend, but things did reopen on Monday. And of course, we had a great Vox from uh, Photo Wildlife Park with Seamus. What else opened on Monday? Well, uh, tennis clubs, 
golf clubs did. Uh, and we'll get to tennis tomorrow. But for today, we're featuring golf, the small ball, chasing the small ball. Uh, members of Douglas Golf Club swung into action this week. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Courses across the country were open for the first time in months. And Seamus was uh, visiting some of the clubs and went to Douglas Golf Club. 1,300 members. And the weather was great for it too. Um, and they were all in terrific form. Four. This is immaculate. There's been volunteer groups meeting over the whole lockdown yeah, yeah, and yeah. clearing and doing extra things in the course. And uh, they're, they're kind of people, I think they have a great sense of ownership of the course because they wanted to be involved and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, have you been out yet? I haven't been. I've been on the course, yeah. yeah. Uh, working. One of the volunteers. Yeah. One of the volunteers. She, yeah. She did, you see, working. The, see, see the planting over there, the lovely yeah. tulips. And, and down there, that's my planting there, down there in the yeah. terrace, that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it's ready to be played. It is. <laughs> and did you find yesterday when people were out that uh, there were balls going everywhere? Not Very at happy. all. That never happens here. Not at all. After, after a few months. Straight out. Straight, straight out. Straight out. <laughs> like the song, is that straight down the middle? Straight, straight down the Bing Crosby song. Yeah, straight down the middle. And the older you get, the straight you get. The sun was never brighter. The green never greener. Delighted to be back. I had a new energy yesterday. It was gorgeous, beautiful sunny day and it was fab. It's great to be out here. Beautiful. It's a pity. Like It's so expansive in terms of the landscape and everything and we're so far away from each other it was just mad that we weren't able to go all the time. So you missed it over the last few months? Definitely. And definitely even mental health, I think. You're much feeling much better that you actually can get out into the fresh air, do a bit of activity, sports. It's just, I think it was just mad that it was closed. Of course we missed it. Of course it's fantastic. Look, look around there. Everything's being maintained and wonderful. So at least, yeah, I guess we have that, that it's absolutely wonderful of course to be going out on now and I suppose the, the real question is after all these months did you lose any distance absolutely once you stop playing golf you lose it goes crazy you go left right centre everywhere yeah no doubt so there were balls going left uh, everywhere yesterday everywhere I can't hit the ball at all I have to go back and relearn it all again you know three months is a long time in any sport but in golf you can go crazy we have a fantastic um, gym on this course um, over there and we've all been doing exercises yeah. during the lockdown, yeah. especially for golf. Yeah. So we expect on the Zoom. Fantastic. On Zoom. <laughs> so we're going to be great. Yeah. Of course you miss it. I haven't played since before Christmas. Well, I played yesterday actually, but uh, oh, it's great to be back. Out in the fresh air. Very fresh this morning, isn't it? And uh, did you find yesterday that you had lost a bit of distance from those months being cooped up? Um, small bit, all right, but sure, after a couple of holes, you're just back into the natural swing of it. You know, and the course is in great nick, and um, you know, grass is nice and short, so you won't lose a ball. So, happy days. Do you know, this is my first time out. Balls are likely to go all over the place, and I'm likely just to hit it along the ground in front of me. But you know what, it doesn't really matter, it's good to get out. How about yourself? I'm actually just the wife. (laughs) (laughs) She's my chauffeur. So are you the golf widow, so? A hundred percent. So you're glad to get rid of him for a few hours? I'll talk to you about that privately. (laughs) (laughs) How was he at home for the last few months that he couldn't get out on the course? 
Well, I suppose in social media terms, I could tell you that he, you know, he painted the house and he did the gutters and he did it, but that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. He watched a lot of golf. He saw the Masters. <laughs> he read a few books about golf. So let's hope, you know, the theory is going to come into practice now because I really don't want a cranky person coming back from the golf course that they failed. <laughs> it was just good to get out anyway. I'm in the middle of exams at the moment, so it was good for the head, like, to get me out of bed in the morning as well because I don't be jumping out of bed for the books. I think last time was December we played anyway. So it's nice to get out. I I think we should have been back in March. Like, I'm sure we're the only, I think us in Portugal are the only ones that had courses closed for the last month or so, or since the UK opened anyway. But it went straight down the middle. That's our chosen summer song of the morning. Today, Wham! and Club Tropicana, where drinks are free. More on travel, domestic and international after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. More on litter this morning, more on public toilets, more on our beaches and all of that. We'll have the county manager on air after 10 and as well as that, even later in the morning, back to nicknames and stuff like that. But Sean Corey, journalist, author, broadcaster from Air and Travel Magazine, joins me by phone. Owen, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Uh, perfect, yes. Oh, perfect, that's grand. Um, first up, why, uh, why did JWT go bust after 60 years in business? Largely COVID. Um, they have they spent the last year paying out refunds, as a lot of travel companies have, and getting no income in. So they st- uh, struggled through. They were also in a dispute over an insurance uh, scheme. Most of your listeners have been very familiar with continuity of business and the problems that businesses have claiming. That dispute is ongoing. But their license was due up in May, and they needed to be covered by the bond to make sure all their customers got protected. So yesterday they called it a day. And do they not get pandemic payments that might have kept them afloat, no? Yes, the CRSS has been keeping people, the employees are about 35 of them all on, and the PUP, but that doesn't cover refunds. That doesn't cover this notion, this business, that you've taken money off people. They're all looking for it back. Sometimes you have to go through the expense of uh, relocating it once. A lot of people transferred their uh, holiday bookings forward and then discovered they couldn't take them. Were you, were you saying that, by and large, their customers would be older? Is that right? It's uh, very interesting. Their demographic will be the oldest in the business. The reason is that Joe Walsh built his empire on pilgrimages. Some of the listeners would be old enough to, to remember when you, if you were flying to Spain, you'd stop in Lourdes and offload people first and then fly on to Spain. But when the Joe Walsh died in 1995, iconic figure, not just in travel, but across Irish consumer culture, it's a very well-known name. They sold the bucket and spade business, all that family stuff, all that Mallorca, Canary Islands, onto a company that eventually became Tui, Ireland. Oh. And the family, the three sons, kept the pilgrimages. Yeah. There are about 35,000 pilgrimages out of Ireland every year, Neil. They're still important in travel. But as you might imagine, they're 
basically, you know, they're being scaled down. That's another thing that contributed to it. Things like the the charters from Kerry that would have been a regular every year, they're more or less at an end now because the numbers have come down. But there's still 35,000 of them. They're an older demographic. It's a complicated process getting their money back. It's even more complicated if you've pushed forward a pilgrimage book for last year to 2021 or 2022. And uh, it's going to be quite interesting because a lot of it is done by group leaders, by diocesan leaders, the Catholic bishops. They don't issue very many uh, statements about travel. They issued a statement about it last night. Getting the refunds back to people is going to be way more complicated than with a tech-savvy audience. Okay, so it was primarily the pilgrimage building. You said business, you said 35,000. In its heyday, what was the highest amount of pilgrims per annum? Was it twice that? It would have been close to twice that. Interestingly enough, the you know what grew was not uh, that the pilgrimages uh, you know fell off that badly. It's just that the rest, the other side of the travel industry, grew in the time when we were doing sixty-five thousand to uh, our four main pilgrimage sites. The entire Irish travel industry would just be about double that now. It's what was it? Lourdes, Fatima, Medjugorje, and where? Holy Land is another, and Rome, remember Rome. There's a place called Netuna, which is a beach, and it's near the suburbs of Rome. It's not a place anyone would go for a beach holiday, but it's very important because when they were running the pilgrimages to Rome, Joe Walt had this great idea. We'll do one week in Rome, and we'll do another week in Netuna. And, of course, people, you know, in rural Ireland wouldn't have, you know, they'd regard it as a bit sort of uh, expensive and a bit sort of splashy to go on a beach holiday. But they were very happy to put one on uh, at the end of the pilgrimage. You, it's really important for, I mean, younger listeners probably don't get it. My Auntie Mary Ellen's only trip out of Ireland was to Lourdes. There's an entire generation that their only travel, their only experience of an aircraft was those... But the younger generation, surely... I'm not saying all of them, I don't mean to to be uh, disrespectful, but surely they wouldn't really have an appetite for pilgrims, would they? Pilgrimages? No, uh, their pilgrimages are to places like uh, Ibiza. There you go, uh, yeah, yeah, Club Tropicana where the drinks are free. (laughs) So, um, just on the latest announcement that we're expecting tomorrow, uh, because quite an amount of your concentration in business is um, Irish travel within the country, isn't it? Um, We're looking at at inter-county travel after the bank holiday weekend in June. Would you go along with that? Uh, the domestic uh, market is really on trepidation here, and I'll tell you why, Neil. They um, were expecting some sort of summer, like obviously there'll be displacement, people cannot travel. They expected a reasonably good home holiday summer. They did have a good one, but it was short, and it also was problematic. Uh, we have the capacity for bouncing an entire county or a part of a county in and out of lockdown at very short notice. Kildare, Leach and Offaly, not holiday destinations, they got no notice. Donegal got 72 hours notice. So all the business owners of Ireland and will be looking at the proposals, maybe June and more likely July. Everybody's thinking August, we're definitely moving. But what happens if you've hired the staff if you've gone into all of the uh, the infrastructural stuff about table spacing and hand sanitizer and entrance and one-way systems, and you're now told you can't open, haven't gone to that expense. But he'll tell us tomorrow, surely. Well, they can tell us when we're when we're scheduled to open. But the real issue, uh, the confidence issue that the industry has to face, is will we be told at very short notice? The numbers are going the wrong direction in a particular part of Ireland, and they, um, you, you can your entire uh, your everything you've invested in is now shut down, 
and you're refunding everyone who's given you money. It's cheaper to keep your hotel closed and not hire the staff. And people are waiting. And one of the things your programme has picked up from the listeners is the cost of home holidays, the bookings. The reason is that the demand is very high. Obviously, there's uh, people are reluctant for international travel, although I haven't given up on international travel. But the supply is down because so many people have decided uh, maybe it's not worth opening. I'm not going to put it into the market at this stage. Now, there are exceptions. There are regional exceptions. Uh, Dingle, uh, Kinsale, Galway all did really well last summer. and they're, they're much more confident about the summer ahead. The self-catering sector, that's really made for post-COVID travel because you've got family units separated from each other. But right across the industry, they're, they're haunted by the prospect of bouncing in and out of lockdown at peak season and not being able to he, cover their costs. You see, he said at the weekend that when we open different things at different stages, we're opening them to never close them again, or words to That's that right. effect. Now, for the, somebody who might have come late to the programme this morning, uh, what's being anticipated this, at the moment is that tomorrow he will announce that on the 7th of June, hotels and B&Bs will open and we'll be able to go outside of our county to wherever we want. That will include, I would imagine, and correct me if not if I'm wrong here, outdoor dining and outdoor drinks. When we open, we stay open was a very important statement. But you've got to remember, Neil, that we had uh, Michal Mark at one o'clock on Sunday saying one thing and the Taunish to within two hours saying something a little bit different. The hotelier I was talking to this morning, he's four hotels, he's one open, he's just shoveling anybody that wants a room, usually they're all essential travel business, into that one. He says, I'm not opening the other three until it's quite clear that I'd be able to cover the cost of hiring all the staff. And that breach break in confidence, it's not going to be restored by one phrase like, uh, when we open, we stay open. So you think that um, there could be a chance that if the numbers reverse again, uh, that uh, there'll be another lockdown? Do you think it would be... But I don't even know why I'm going into this because this is all supposition. No. Really. Okay, let, let's let's cut to the chase here, Neil. We don't know what the numbers will do, but what we we need from the government, or what the sector needs from the government, uh, if I can speak for them this morning, is that they need some sort of signal that it's not going to be short-term panic-stricken reacting reaction um, to trends or to medical advice or conflicting medical advice. They need something that they can count on that will cover their costs. And that hasn't been forthcoming because uh, um, the policies seem to be almost arbitrary. And they, we, we don't know what the numbers will do because the reaction to any change in numbers, will there be a notice given? Will there be a two-week lead-in which the European Union is... Okay, okay, just move around a bit. The phone line is, is just breaking up a little bit. I, I did get... Um, uh, the listener did an awful lot of work on behalf of the programme there recently who said they were looking for a weekend uh, away as a staycation because I'm not sure the government will, I'm sure the government will only promoting stay at home. I'm not sure if you've seen the prices and they gave me prices for Kerry and they also gave me prices for Galway where they said one to two nights in Galway, Westport and Kerry is equivalent to a week's holiday abroad. And some of the examples were hotels in Killarney where one was charging for two nights in July, a thousand euro for two nights. And there was another one then, a second one, a thousand and eighty. There was one in, in Tralee charging a thousand, uh, another hotel in Killarney, eight hundred and eighty seven. Um, 
Ahado Heights, for instance, came in at 2,394. There was hotels in Westport that were charging seven and 800 uh, for two nights. Like, it's insane, isn't it? These kind, of, these kind of prices for two nights in a hotel bedroom? Very simple explanation, Neil. There's some, the demand is way up and the supply is very much lower than it would be if we knew what was happening. The number of hotels that have gone into the market is not the total number of rooms that we'd have delivered in a year like 2019. But he tried uh, to, he tried no, to rent, I know, yeah, but he tried to rent a house in Galway for a night, uh, 1,291 euro per night. Are these the exception, do you think? It's not that they're the exception. What's on the market is there are the people who've committed uh, and the supply and demand rule will put, will put, you know, it works, it's the same, it works in travel all over the world. If you've got a very high demand and a very small supply, the supply is artificially low, Neil, because people are not putting their rooms onto the market until they're sure that they can pay for the staff for having done so. No, but so these are actual been, ads, for instance. Like, some of them are, are celebrating the fact that, you know, two nights the end of july 807 euro for two nights like that's nothing to celebrate is it it's it's what the market will bear and that's you know as i said it's the the supply is artificially low what should happen to solve the price problem is that we get a very clear signal that we're going to open and stay open like uh, the rhetoric is coming from the politicians and more rooms come on the market, more houses come on the market, all of that. The demand is going to be quite different because that'll be really determined on how much international travel is allowed. It'll be later in the, in the no, cycle before we know that. I, 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 I know you're going to say that, but if, if hotels, for instance, know, or if Airbnb knows that people aren't going to be able to travel out of the country uh, for the greater part of the summer, they are going to put their prices up, aren't they? It's inevitable that they will. It's capitalism. Capitalism is you charge what the market will bear. Now, you know, are writing it? Uh, I don't think so because they, uh, the, uh, the number of rooms that are put onto the market is going to be, it's going to be higher when everybody realizes what's happening and the prices would settle. I mean, we, it's very hard to compare um, our Irish product tends to be a little bit premium because it's very dependent, particularly Killarney would be very dependent on high spending American markets. And um, what, you know, if you look for bargains, you don't go to Saint-Tropez internationally. You, go, you find them and the bargains will, will emerge and some of them they say are, are there. I haven't been able to find them myself. But, the, but as I said, the demand is artificially, or sorry, the demand is, artif- is high and the supply is artificially low because of the number of people who have yet to decide whether, whether they will open the marketplace whether they'll summer. open or whether they'll open all of their rooms I understand what you're saying but you do know and I have evidence of this as well that Airbnb is flying I mean I'm, this radio program is getting contacted all the time and I, I meet people who are telling me that they have Airbnb all booked already uh, and many of them are heading to West Cork and Kerry this weekend to Airbnbs they're taking the gamble of even crossing the county bounds what are your thoughts on that? 
They're taking houses. Yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're not in the business of telling anyone to do anything illegal, but they, they, if you were to look, you know, take Airbnb and self-catering, another sector, like a really good sector is the boat hire in the Shannon. High-spending Germans usually occupy all of those. They're available, they were available to Irish people at lower cost last year. But those three sectors, Airbnb, self-catering, boat hire, they're the ones that are going to thrive in the post-COVID environment because you're away from the crowds and you're You've got family units staying together and um, holidaying together. That really has been one of the few upsides of the whole uh, disaster that has been COVID for the hospitality industry. And it could be, uh, as your uh, hardworking listener, that's amazing work ferreting out the prices, Mm. but it could be, as your hardworking listener found out, that self-catering is charging a little bit more because they can get away with it. But the reality is that, uh, you know, if you're all around the world, self-catering, it's going to be a year for them. And as as it is for activities that are outdoor-based rather than the big stadium uh, and people standing shoulder to shoulder and temple bar uh, tourism that we were used to before COVID. Okay, well, let's see what the announcement on that with regards to Micheál Martin is tomorrow, uh, whatever he gets from from Neffet and decides to do in, you know, after the June bank holiday weekend. But with regards to international travel, do you have a crystal ball on that? And will that be vaccine related? Will it be a digital cert or what? All of those things are in play and I don't have a digital ball. What I'm looking at is people who have bookings for May transferring them forward. That's what the industry are telling me. They've moved them mostly to um, end of June, but July uh, and June are still ropey. The real forward bookings are being shifted into August. August, okay. The other thing that's really important is that the aviation industry has kept its shape, Neil. The, uh, all those flights are still in the system. Now, you can see, you know, our... Uh, Dublin to Barcelona, the service completely cancelled until May. You can see Ryanair, Aer Lingus nibbling away at the routes, but the full inventory is still in there for July, August, September. Now, July might be early in the cycle. I think August, September, October is where we're looking at. But do you think that those, say, in August, do you think that those in August will have to have uh, their vaccines, the full vaccines? The way Europe has looked at this is Southern Europe is very enthusiastic about this green certificate, um, which means vaccinators are tested, um, but mainly the the member member states will each interpret that their own way. Northern Europe, not as enthusiastic, but certainly when we reach levels of vaccination that are 60, 70% of the population, um, the authorities will start looking at opening up international travel and getting the aircraft flying again because connectivity which is not really about holidays but depends on them uh, is, is very so important to all the European economies especially the southern ones the northern ones a little bit slower on this and France being France sitting in the middle and uh, still making up its mind but that, that's the international trend on it very interesting that they're talking about allowing vaccinated Americans into Europe that's the uh, European Commission announcement the real problem here is from the beginning the European Commission has said things and allowed the member states to go their own way yeah. and Ireland has been one of the most uh, uh, one of the ones that has dragged its heels. Yeah because he said it's something to do with civil liberties whether or not you could only allow people with the COVID digital cert to travel. Like how could he stop them? Like for instance Spain is opening to overseas holidaymakers 
from June under the COVID digital health certificate scheme. Like, what would stop an Irish... Could an Irish person get a COVID digital health cert? Is it European-led or what? We don't know the, sh- the shape of that, but certainly what's happening is the airlines have already introduced it. Ryanair is an app where you can load your testing information and your vaccination information sure. already. So if you but could do that, how could, gov- how could the government... It's done at state level. So you know, it's not a state level, but if Ryanair do it, who would actually stop you? Okay, what we're doing, what we've been doing here, Neil, is using local legislation. We haven't been able to enact anything to stop people travelling internationally. What we've seen is the Gardaí on their approach roads to the airport saying, is your journey necessary under you can't travel more than five kilometres legislation? That's what we've been using, and that's um, we're, we're one of the few countries to do that. The right to travel has not been curtailed by other countries, by anybody else. And there are big legal questions, for, uh, both at European level and at local challenges, whether using our local legislation, we have been doing that. There is a civil liberties issue, and it's another important issue, and that most people are going to, everybody's going to get vaccinated, is going to be above a certain age. The family holiday business, which is really important for Southern Europe, um, we can't have a say, you know, is, is saying that we can't have a situation where people, uh, parents are, and grandparents are allowed on board and children are not. Well, I know that, so but say for individuals who, like if somebody has been fully vaccinated, what I want to know is in June, if somebody has been fully vaccinated and there are flights to Spain, and who's going to stop them from going on their holidays vaccinated and coming back? They won't have to go into a quarantine hotel. They won't have to isolate at home. We're back to the situation last summer when all it is is uh, advice. You know, we, it's it's not illegal, by the way, to travel to Spain. It's not illegal. Um, well, what we've seen is the five-kilometer legislation being used. Uh, Spain is not on a red is not a red list country, nor is Portugal. They're not going to be on the red list because uh, that's the way. Uh, if, if France is on it, um, and uh, Italy is on it, but Spain and Greece are their holiday destinations or not. So it's not actually illegal. What what people have to weigh up is the public advice that has come from the government here saying uh, that non-essential travel is not advisable and is bad. And that uh, was the bits of legislation and the things like the using the five-kilometre legislation and the mandatory hotel quarantine have actually changed that or changed the perception of that. But the core advice as it was last summer, remains unchanged. Okay. Don't engage in non-essential travel. It's not illegal, but we're being asked as an honour system not to do so. Okay, um, I see Ryanair have just uh, posted up on their website that people should not book with online travel agents, that they should only book through Ryanair. Uh, don't book with the likes of uh, Love Holidays. Don't book with company I booked with and lost a considerable amount of money with them, uh, Kiwi.com and Apodo. Um, they're saying uh, they're third party and we don't have any agreements with regards to them in the sense that if flights are cancelled or anything happens, you'll only get money back through Ryanair. Have you thoughts on that? Very controversial. There's absolutely no doubt that the big international online operators and you mentioned Love Holiday, uh, lots of refunds by Ryanair didn't get back to the customer because they didn't have the customer details. One of them, Kayak, started charging people €100 Euro extra to put them ahead in the queue for the Ryanair refund without uh, you know any basis for that. But there is one thing Ryanair have not got right 
is that there is a huge difference between a major online tour operator like Love Holiday and like Kayak and your uh, uh, local travel based travel agent with whom they used to deal. They've had the uh, travel agents uh, used to sell Ryanair flights within their system under uh, a good corkman, Kenny Jacobs, uh, signed the deal back in 2015. Now, since COVID, Ryanair have reverted to all travel agents are bad. And one of the things that was really, really damaged, has uh, really damaged uh, Irish travel agents is in some cases, uh, they have not been, they've already paid refunds for Ryanair flights and have not been able to get the money back from Ryanair. Ryanair is absolutely right. Uh, don't book through a third party. Go straight to your website and uh, don't go through a big online tour operator give a margin to someone in Connecticut or whatever. Well, I know that. When, the, it, the, comes to the, when it comes to the local travel agents, they really, uh, I would love to see them engaging and Re, um, uh, repairing a huge breach of trust and a breach of relationship. Just, very, just very finally, just before I let you go, and, and I will, and there are questions coming in all of the time. But this, this is actually one of my own. I was talking or, to somebody recently. Happy to take them, I was yeah. talking to somebody recently in business in Cork. You're aware the Cork Airport will close for for ten weeks for essential maintenance on the runway. I was told that the budget given for that job was thirty million to the DAA. That they didn't use up the whole budget. That they will only use something in the region of maybe ten million of it, or maybe perhaps. 15 but that if they have spent if they had spent it properly and spent another 5 million for instance they could have done the work at night and brought in the equipment to allow them to do it at night that's one point the other point that was made to me that the closure of the runway in Cork for that 10 week or the closure of the airport for 10, eight, 10 weeks will cost the Cork region 300 million euro in lost revenue any thoughts on that? It was. It had to be done. It was scheduled to be done a little bit later in the cycle. The accusation is they, they penny pinched on it though, and could have done it by nights by spending a little bit more of the funding they had. And keep the yeah, and the the uh, equation of that, and I'm not making any apologies for the DA and uh, for Cork Airport and the way they worked out this the logistics of this. But if Cork Airport is operating, uh, most most of Europe has lost is down to sixty five percent of their capacity. Ireland is down to eighty five percent. Cork has lost even more. It's operating at a very very skeletal level. So the the what the equation and what presumably without knowing what went on in the boardroom, uh, presumably the equation was the extra money versus the actual disruption when. Uh, flight levels are at such a historic low. Um, it's they won't be at a low in September. Um, yes, the, that's the anticipation was that it wouldn't be at a low at all in 2021. But they've brought it forward. They've made their calculation on the basis of what they, they see happening international aviation and you've, uh, whether it will recover, how quickly it will okay. recover. Let's say the green light goes on in June or July. How recovered will it be in September? They're all the calculations they have to make. Um, without, as I say, not without knowing what goes on in the boardroom, I'd imagine that's a factor in the decision not to do things at night. Uh, Dublin Airport has run into all, all sorts of problems with its own runway project. Did they do work at night? Didn't they and Shannon do work at night? Absolutely, and the whole idea was to get the whole get everything done at night time because everything was planned at 2019 when uh, the airport uh, was bursting at the scene, at the seams. Um, getting construction traffic in and out of an airfield site is difficult. You have to go through all the same security. I know, but my point is for five. Anyway. I know, yeah, but my point was for five million extra, they could have done it for, at night and not cost the Cork region three hundred million in lost revenue. 
That's well, the point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the question is, is doing it by paying the extra five million to do it by day, um, it does it balance versus the amount of traffic you will be handling then. That's, as I said, I'm out, I'm not in the boat okay. making that decision, but that's explaining uh, the way the process would work in an airport without uh, specifically knowing what went in, it went on in that uh, border. Okay, just I'm just mentioning these, uh, I won't have much time with them. I'm just about to book flights for September to Spain, waiting on a vaccine. Am I doing the right thing to book now, says Kay? Absolutely. You're going to get your money back if you're with Aer Lingus. Ryanair haven't transferred the full refund forward, but I would imagine if the circumstances are that September is as locked down as we are now, you're going to get your money back. And that's the key to taking a risk for all of these flight decisions. What about if I fly to England, fully vaccinated, do a test, do I still have to quarantine? The answer to that is no, isn't it? No quarantine if you're vaccinated. Not in in the English direction. On return, you do your quarantine at home. It's not mandatory hotel quarantine. Not if you're vaccinated, though. Well, the vaccination um, is, isn't legislated for at all. It's actually peripheral to the whole, it's, it's being discussed. But the reality is that whether you're vaccinated or not, you still have to do your self-isolation when you arrive in Ireland, Neil. And extraordinarily, vaccinated people arriving from Dubai are being put into mandatory hotel quarantine. That's quite a shock for people who come in from one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. In the sense that you can still transmit the virus even if you're vaccinated. Well, there's, uh, there's a separate health debate on all of that, okay. but uh, you can imagine uh, the, the, the arguments that are going on in the airport when people arrive vaccinated and are told you have to do mandatory hotel quarantine. Okay, covered a lot of ground. You earned your stripes this morning, Owen. Thanks for taking the calls, as always. Always a huge pleasure, Neil. Thank you so have much. Have a great day, Owen Corrie. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I hope that that clarifies an amount of issues with regards to both domestic and international. Back after 10. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. You're listening to the Emerald Award winning music station of the year. Cork's Red FM. Hands open at one 104 106 text 086-8104-106. Lots to take, and this is a kind of a regular occurrence, particularly when the weather gets good and more so than ever during COVID when people are out and about enjoying the outdoors. Um, and we saw, of course, uh, lots of uh, you know stories and photographs and videos circulating from the city and indeed from the suburbs and around our beaches and what have you. And some of the topics that come up quite regularly on this program involve things like bins, and in the city in particular, um, um, public toilets are lack of same. And then issues regarding uh, maybe facilities at our beaches that people think are wanting, particularly when there's an influx of people when the weather is good. Did some research there this morning about the uh, we of the list of beaches in Cork, where I think we've got like something like 27 beaches uh, that are um, under the auspices of Cork County Council, but only 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of them actually have uh, a toilet, so the others don't. The ones that do Barley Cove, Fountainstown, Garrettstown, Gary Lucas, the White Strand, Gary Vaux, Inchidoni, Onahinsha, Red Barn, Tregumna, the Warren and the all uh, front strand in Claycastle and you got to wonder about the conditions of, of those toilets but with that and uh, another few issues as well we put in a request for uh, the county manager to chat with me Tim Lucy and I have to say the chief executive joins me by phone Tim good morning 
Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, and I know that this is you wearing your, your county hat, but at one stage, of course, you were also in city council as the chief executive there. Um, and you said recently in reply with regards to littering, if I had my way, I'd have no bins around the county as I feel it only encourages people to leave litter. Um, is that an accurate quote, Tim? That's an accurate quote, uh, Neil. Absolutely it is. And, you know, the beauty of that quote is that uh, clearly without that quote, I wouldn't be speaking to you this morning. <laughs> I wouldn't be speaking earlier either to, to, to 96 uh, FM. And very often a provocative, provocative quote ensures that, that a message gets out, to be honest with you, you know. And, and I, I believe that. I certainly believe that a, that a further reduction in bins is probably warranted. Uh, but we'll see how that goes uh, during the year in terms of, of the use of bins and how they're managed and, and, and how people use them, etc. But, you know, the, the, the real issue here, Neil, and um, I listen to your piece coming in there, I suppose, certainly look around toilets, around bins and all of that. And this is about how people are going to use our facilities and use the public open facilities for the remainder of the year, and particularly during the summer months. And that's all we're trying to do is raise awareness of the pride that we have in, our, in what we have. You mentioned 11 uh, blue flag beaches there. I don't think any other county in the country has 11 blue flag beaches. We're lucky to have them. We have 27 that you mentioned across the entire county. They're all going to be used to a great extent, and we are preparing to ensure that we will have additional facilities in those for the summer season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so, But this morning really is about... Well, 16 of them know, don't have toilets. Yeah, and, and, and we'll be addressing those, Neil. There's no, there's no, there, we will be addressing those because our summer season generally starts and we prepare for that kind of from, from just before uh, Bank Holiday weekend in June. And that's traditionally it. We have our lifeguards out at that particular point in time from then on. And, we're, and we look at June, July and August and into the middle of September. So we're working at this particular, particular point in time. The, the, the real issue here is... Well, working in what we, sense? We, like if any of the we, people on those um, 16 yeah. beaches want to go to the loo, what do they do? Well, we, we'd, I'd expect that we'd I'd have a proposal by the end of this week, to be honest with you, where we're, we're clearly, we need to look at port loos we need to look at additional temporary facilities that we can put in place. So, And, and once we have that finalised, we'll certainly be notifying the public about it and, 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 and we'll be advising, we'll let people know where they are, etc., etc. But to come back to litter, Neil, look, um, I, I think there's a fundamental here, you know, we, we, we're starting to use... Um, our facilities in a different way in a, and, and in a, to a greater extent that we were never used to before and this is simply about raising awareness in people's minds that in doing so we also need to think about the fact that at the moment there are an awful lot of bars and restaurants not open and people may have you know if, if you're dining indoors you've got rid of your waste indoors etc but getting rid of your waste out doors is not by a way of uh, it's not by means of leaving it on the street next to a bin we clean them regularly we're happy that we have a regime in place that adequately cleans them for what they're put in place for they're put in place for occasional use such as litter such as you know your 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 chocolate paper or your cigarette butter or whatever but generally people if they're getting a takeaway they should take it home and but education, and, and, they're going, but the, and if they're going out for a day, they plan, and we all should be planning. And I said, I don't want to be said they. I say we because I'm in the same boat. I need to plan for my day out. I need to ensure that when I'm going out, if I take a picnic basket, then I bring my waste home. But me. that education, <laughs> that message has been has been rolled out for years and years and years. It's just not getting through. I mean, people see it as an awful lot simpler than that. You said that we spend 3.2 million on street cleaning and litter management every year. I'm suggesting yeah. that you wouldn't have to spend that if you had more municipal bins. 
Oh, well, we'd be spending more in trying to clean up, to be honest with you. Uh, that's the issue, Neil. That 3.2 million, I'd prefer to reduce that and, and, and spend it more proactively in terms of, 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 you know, we're doing a phenomenal amount of work in terms of increasing uh, the, the the quality of the facilities and the number of facilities we have. Look at the work that we've done on creating outdoor dining spaces across the majority of our 23, 24 towns. Yes, and I know that. I mean, there are super things happening. Absolutely. City Council and County Council really, you know, got shovels on the ground fast in all of those aspects. And they also, and and also our public parks are a credit. Fitzgerald's Park's a credit. Um, Certainly, Ballancolic is an absolute gem. And I'm not here to knock. I'm just concentrating on aspects that people find wanting and uh, amongst them are are issues like, um, you know, if you, if there was a bin, if you look at the Spanish model, where they have lots of them, they're like 3,200 litre containers everywhere, that people will use them if you provide them. Yeah, they will, but, but, uh, but Neil, we're all, uh, I'll go back to, I'll go back to, uh, I suppose, ourselves as a society. We've changed a lot as a society in the past year, right? I remember this time last year and I was on the radio trying to encourage people to wear high-vis jackets while out on public roads, cycling or walking. We started to use those spaces in a much different way. And when we do so, we don't necessarily think about, well, okay, how should I use this? So we're not here to complain. We're not here to bash people for leaving litter around at the moment. In fact, most people, I would say, who might leave a pizza box or who might leave a chip bag next to a bin, that's, that's unfortunately full because they're, they're, they're being mis, 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 misused at times as well. They, they, they're not thinking potentially about there are lots of people who will litter day in day out it's much easier for them to say okay look that bin is full I need to take this home and I need to plan for my day out that's the simple message and putting more bins out is most likely to result in the same situation unless we change the mindset unless we change the mindset around the behaviour of people and people begin to think you know what I'm going to be coming back here tomorrow or next week are my neighbours going to be coming back here do I really want to leave my waste here for them to see it that's not what we're at Neil it's, it's a character piece and, and you know the, the examiner got it right this morning in their editorial it's, it's sad to think that we actually have to go on the airwaves to try and get people to think about behaviour but we're not blaming people we're, we're socialising in a different way and it's not willful neglect of our willfully people are not willfully doing this they probably leave it next to a bin because the bin is there but actually, it's much easier to take But it it's home. the local. But you see, what happens is, it's the local community groups that are out in the high visits. Then having to do, um, the, having actually having to do your work for you, volunteers. Uh, uh, well, well, you know, I suppose. Look, as a, as a local authority, we're not disconnected from the community. We're heavily integrated with those community groups. We fully support them, and we and and you know, we we as a society, we are an entire community. We're only one arm of the community, Neil. You know, if you rely on the state to do everything, you never build a community and never build. Yeah, what, yeah I community. know, but that's so what's happening now. And, and, and so, so it's not as if it's not as if others are doing our work. We work very closely with business associations, with communities, and we try and get that relationship such that that there is like that generates pride. I know, I know of people who go out and they'll and they'll you know you see them out they'll they'll pick up the litter. But in the they morning. mightn't have to do it if there are more and more bins. I mean, no, no. I, I, well, look, I I think I think we'll we, you know we'll we'll eventually go down. I, I don't know whether that is your actual personal view or not. To be honest with you, um, it, but, it certainly but seems we, to be the view of an awful lot of county councillors, though. If it is, if it is, no, it's not actually. Um, I'll come back to that. If we we were better off agreeing to disagree, and no, that, it, it is, it is. I, I can I quote, I can quote councillors. Audrey Buckley was one of them. Danny Collins was another. Anthony Barry was another. Karen Coakley was another. One of them spoke of uh, collecting fourteen bags of rubbish picked up mm. in Cross Avon in a twenty-four hour period. 
and and there was only one of those four that you mentioned actually suggested we should have more bins and the majority Marcia of Dalton called for compacted bins I, to be installed yeah I, I, I would say to Neil if you listened in or anybody listened in to the public debate inside in our, at our meeting not in our chamber we're online for all of our meetings now if, if anybody listened in to that debate on, on Monday while there may have been one or two saying, you know, we need more bins or whatever, the majority of our councillors, and they get the sense of this from their constituents, are saying, look, this is a behavioural piece, lads. We just need to get people to think about Cork, about being proud about Cork, about being, you know, the, the, the tagline we have is be proud, be sound. We are Cork people. We have a fantastic product. And it's very simple. Plan your day ahead and take it home. And I can guarantee you, you could ask, I've, I've already had messages this morning in terms of this from our own councillors. Tim, well done. Keep the messages going. We are supporting you on this. That's a fact, you know. And there will be individual instances, Neil, and we'll deal with those offline. That's real, you know. Okay. Um, um, there was a time many, many years ago when the city and the county collected all of the rubbish in the bins and it was done regularly. I remember as a kid there were bin lorries all over the place and it was provided as part of the taxes and rates that people pay. Now we're expected to pay extra, of course, for that collection. It seems as if we're going backwards with regards to services. Yeah, to well, look, I'm, I'm not here to debate that issue this morning, Neil, but I, would, I can tell you this much. There's a very effective and cost-effective uh, private sector operation out there and, uh, and I won't comment any further on that. The fact is, that, um, I apart, apart from the fact that it used to be I, free, that is. Uh, well, well, no, never, never in Cork County anyway, because people pay. We have a producer pay piece here, and we're not, I'm not going to go down the road of debating who should be collecting your normal day-to-day collection of stuff. There's a fantastic waste collection system out there collecting our uh, collecting organic. But maybe it's those that can't that. afford it's that are doing that. But there's certainly fly tipping in your county areas. Well, there's there's always going to be fly tipping, Neil. There is, I'll, and and if that's a headline tomorrow morning, I have no problem coming back in the debate. But sure, if there's always going to be flight tipping, there's also there always because, going to be litter dropping. So because there, because there there's there's always look there's always beyond a, a cohort of society who unfortunately, whether it's flight tipping, whether it's dumping, whether it's 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 just antisocial behaviour or whatever it is, and in, in in all its form, there's always a cohort of society who will do that, Neil. And we, and we have to accept that. It's not right to accept it, but the fact is we're closing our eyes to it if we don't accept it. What I met here this morning is saying there's actually 99% of the people of Cork County and those who use it are good citizens. But we just simply, at the moment, are moving into a transition phase from being, I suppose, indoors for a lot of the winter, now going outdoors, now going outdoors where there's a lot of takeaway of, of food, stuff and that going on. We're going to get it. We're, going to, we're, we're driving there, we're cycling there, or we're walking there to get our takeaways. Takeaway is normally taken home. If you're taking it away and you're eating it in a public space, take your rubbish home. Yeah, it, but look at, the peer, look at the pier in Skull. I mean, if there had been a huge, big municipal bin there, perhaps it would have been very different the morning after. So, so, so not necessarily, Neil, because you'd still find probably people not thinking about what they're doing. You know, what's what's wrong with saying, look, if you're on the pier in the skull and you have your pizza, or you have your, 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 your chipper or whatever you have, or your picnic, why do you leave the rubbish after? You're going there to, t- to eat. Why do you leave the rubbish there for the next person who's going to come and have to eat next to that? Because maybe it's a visual thing if they saw... The bin, they might use it. No, well, well, no. The, the, the fact is, uh, PJ, Neither. regardless of the number of bins, do you know what? There's a statistic, right? And maybe look at it, and, and I won't get into the whole debate on, on waste policy. But Taipei in Taiwan was garbage city, and it's now one of the cleanest cities in, in the country. And what do they do? They, okay, they might have they tried incineration, they tried a whole different, and they, they raised awareness around recycling that, which is a, which is a high, there's a high level of recycling in this country. But they actually significantly reduced. 
the number of bins on their streets in that city down to one per 1,500 population. In Cork County, we have one per three, 350. Maybe they find people. And, and, Maybe that and, was it. And, and, and I'm sure they do, as do we. But that's, and, and European norms are moving towards, and, and even be, have moved towards, and you spoke about Spain. I don't know what the stats are in Spain, but it is a fact that European norms are moving towards fewer bins on streets and, and an increase in citizen awareness, and an increase in citizen awareness, how to use their, how to dispose of their waste. There's a lot of waste at the moment, Neil that's been left potentially on the side of streets because of the outdoor dining piece, which is actually recyclable waste as well. Which you, is don't have, you don't have you stats know? for fines, do you, for dropping litter or dog poo or trace of a flight? Say, we've certainly issued in the last year, I would say, close on probably up to 190, 200 fines or something of that, in that order. But fining isn't the issue, Neil. We do fine people, absolutely. They're, that's a fact. Uh, this is about behaviour. You know, um, you know, we don't want to have. We we prefer to have our, our little wardens uh, and those dealing with the behavioural issue, which is what they're trying to do, as opposed to having to find people. Did you ever, That's when you were city manager in the city, did you ever, when you were chief exec in the city, look at um, the lack of public facilities with regards to public toilets? I, Neil, I'm on here now as chief executive of the county this morning, and I'm not, I'm not going back to seven previous or seven, eight, nine. No, I'm just wondering, was there some kind of a policy not to have them when you were in chief? When you were chief. I, I had no policy of that nature anyway, but I'm not here to discuss my role as city manager. Why? I'm here as chief executive of the county council. But why? This morning. I mean, you were you because were there, Neil. Neil, I'm here now this morning to 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 respond, I suppose, to your request for me to come on because of the comment that I passed, and and I stand over that in some ways. I'm not here to defend that. I'm here to raise awareness around people. I've everybody, whether they had um, parents of children and that, you know, there's leaving litter behind them. Plan your day out. It's a simple thing. Okay. You know, I don't have to preach to people. I'm not the the, uh, the the person who holds all the answers to everything. I think everybody in this county understands that if they plan their day out, they can add to the, the environment that they're all going to be using during the summer period. Okay, thank you for taking yeah. the call. Much obliged Thanks, to you. Neil. Thanks a lot. Oh, That's uh, Tim Lucy, Cork County Council, uh, Chief Executive. Perhaps the city questions should be more related to uh, Anne Doherty, and I'll, I'll look into that. Text 0868104106. So there's going to be no changes whatsoever in that regard. Uh, it's all about educating people to take it home with them. Uh, that seems to be the message. Educate. Lines open at 1850 if you wish to respond. I'll get through some some texts after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, why do people keep saying that bringing electrical goods to the recycle depot is free? You said it on the air yesterday morning. Do you not know that when we buy these goods, we pay extra for the privilege? It's never remarked, which surprises me. Uh, and there's more. I think there should be different bins around the city and beauty spots with one for plastic, one for cardboard, one for drink cans, one for glass bottles, and another for rubbish. Uh, well, Tim Lucy said if he had his way, there'd be none for any of them, never mind all that different selection. The council in Cork should look at the Portuguese way of collecting litter, where all citizens pay in their taxes, and on every street you will see silver bins. They look good, but under them are big skips that are emptied daily. There's one for each different type of rubbish, and it encourages recycling. If they use the Spanish system, all our streets would be spotless at the end of every street. It's incorporated in your taxes. It makes sense for tourists and for the people that can't afford higher bin charges. And then more. Oh, these ones to do with camper vans. Brickley down in Garrettstown, just a few on that. My family and I were in our camper van over the weekend in Garrettstown. The car parks down there have height barriers which restrict campers and large vehicles from entering most of the parking areas. People in campers are most respectful 
of the areas they visit. We never leave litter or hinder parking or traffic flow. We always park neatly. To mention about the facilities available in Garrettstown and every other beach area in Ireland, for that matter, the public toilets and the public rubbish bins are either non-existent or substandard. But please don't bash the camper van community, as it's a great group of families and people. Campers, you know, cost quite a lot of money, and these people bring a lot of business into the towns and areas they visit. Another one from Anne says, I don't agree with camper vans that can park up in regular car parking spots overnight. There was 14 in a row last Sunday morning parked in Yall. These are people, these people are treating a regular car park like their own campsite. Go stay at a regular campsite like you must do anywhere else in Europe, or go home, Suzanne. Well, the problem at the moment is that the campsites aren't opened. Um, and quite an amount then on toilets, just regarding toilets. I took a trip, strip, trip to the shop recently. I also have irritable bowel. Uh, I asked the staff in the shop, could I please use their bathroom? They said there was none in store and that I had to use the coffee shop's toilet across the car park. It was some pain trying to make it. And then there was a queue. It's a disgrace. Imagine what tourists must think of this, a city with no toilets. I was in beautiful Fitzgerald's Park on Saturday with my sister, who's a wheelchair user. People were enjoying the beautiful weather. I was extremely disappointed at the pond, the shabby, unkept, unkempt state of it. Please, can someone tell me why the toilets in Fitzgerald's Park were locked? There was a sign on the door saying, out of order. It's just not good enough. We and many others, I'd imagine, had to cut our visit short and go home. I mean, that's news to me, that it's closed and out of order. Why is it out of order? Particularly when the weather was absolutely glorious. And there's reams of this. Follow your conversation about people getting into difficulties at the beach or cliffs. Remind your listeners with young kids to be very careful this summer. The kids have been out of regular swimming lessons for over a year and may not be as competent in the water as your parent might think. They may need to use a swim vest for safety. I, for instance, saw some scary sights over the weekend with parents just letting their kids into the water unattended. Love the show, says Mary. I was in the new Ring of Skiddy Park last Saturday. Toilets closed. People would be happy to pay for these facilities, you know, provided they were clean, open and available. Cork facilities are non-existent and such a tourist turnoff. And bad for local people as well with their health issues, says Dave. Keep up the good work. Can you please stop saying we're over the worst of it? And approving of people gathering carelessly outdoors, Neil? Compliancy is what's causing the virus to multiply and thrive. I think that should be complacency is what's causing the virus to, to multiply and thrive. India believed they were over the worst of it, and they're now suffering through the worst wave, with thousands sadly dying. I'm sure the families in Yall thought they were over the worst of it, and look what happened. Everyone, including you, needs to be mindful of what's currently happening, and how quickly everything could actually change. And then, when we used to have toilets um, in the city, one on Merchant's Quay, and one down closer to the Bridewell, Patrick says, my grandmother and my aunt used to be the cleaners of those toilets way back in the day. So there's all that and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone as we go. Susan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. Appreciate it. Uh, you want to pick up on rubbish and litter? And again, it's, it's, it's people litter, you know. It's all about, as Tim Lucy was trying to make the point there, personal responsibility and taking it home. Anyway, your thoughts? Oh God, Tim is in a different world. But anyway, um, yeah, there should be more bins. I mean, look, they're not for household refuge. We know that. Germany for years has had, you know, standalone ones for plastic bottles, newspapers, cans. Such stuff is recycled. It's not just all going in 
to landfill and I regularly walk my dogs there in the woods in Kilavala. Some nice person has hung a bag on the bridge. If you've got rubbish, it goes in and that person comes and takes that bag away when it's full. It's used. It's a see-through bag. It's not huge. And there is no household rubbish and the place is clean. Well, there's so another example there. of volunteers, members of the community yeah. in tidy towns doing a lot of the work. Yeah. And no support from the council. It's a disgrace, Neil. It really is. Like We used to get loads of bins. They were all collected. Now they're not. Even if there's a bin there, it could be there for weeks. But look, it could be full of stuff as well that could be recyclable, which is a disgrace. Like you know, We're just not keeping up with anything. He says it's, it's, it's irresponsible behaviour that we need to change at a societal level. That's what he's saying. Our, we're not all. It's not 100%. And it's not every person. So why are the few being, you know, that aren't, you know, why are the rest being punished for the few that aren't, you know? Yeah. We just were talking about libraries, were you? Yeah, well, I mean, look, I don't know where libraries are going to stand with COVID now. Like, I mean, how do you clean and sterilize a book? And I mean, okay, maybe the older generation like books. I'm not saying doing away with them because they could be a great hub for people in the community. But I mean, we're now, you know, spending hundreds of thousands on books. We probably won't be able to loan them out now or whatever's going to happen with them. And, you know, like that, we're not keeping up with the times, Neil, you know. We're, we're just way behind in everything. This is just, and we need to, I mean, look, I love some of the older stuff, but we need bins, we need proper bins that you can recycle and put in your little bit of rubbish and, you know. Yeah, but what happens then when people start loading it up with their domestic rubbish? Well, I mean, look, it'll have to be a small shoe, unfortunately, that you can only throw in your used chewing gum, a bit of tissue. You know, I mean, look, we shouldn't be putting, you know, pizza boxes into them either, really, you know. Yeah, okay. That should go home, like. We do need to be responsible, but the council does have a role as well, and they're not playing it. I mean, look, he's, you know, got this kind of dominant message, and he thinks that's going to work. Oh, God, I hope it does for us. OK, thanks for that. Appreciate it, Susan. Uh, just to answer one of your questions, after if, if what we're expecting to be announced tomorrow is announced tomorrow, after the Maybank holiday weekend, you'll have click and collect, non-essential retail, hairdressers, barbers, personal services, libraries, museums, galleries, full reopening of construction, outdoor sports training uh, for adults uh, and religious services. Um, and hopefully... Um, they're talking about um, inter-county travel expected to be lifted after the June uh, bank holiday uh, weekend. So that's, you know, I mean, I mention it reluctantly because you don't know actually what he's going to say tomorrow. But anyway, Pat, good morning. Neil, what an object. Oh, sorry, excuse was the word. I couldn't, I couldn't say it there to you. What an obnoxious man that Tim Lucy is. Ah, uh, well, I wouldn't say that. He's a job to he do. He is, Neil. Neil that, that wasn't an interview, Neil. He was telling you what to do. You were asking him questions, he didn't answer any questions. But getting back to my point, Neil, first of all, I want to give you some good news. Whenever we ring the litter company in Cork County Council, Cork City Council, they always come out to us, okay? They are very good there. But however, what we now have is, and what what my neighbours and I picked up last weekend, was 168 bottles of Budweiser, which would be seven cases of beer. So whoever's selling those seven cases of beer should think where it's going to, right? We've also got another problem How can they think where it's going to? They just sold eight cases of beer. Yeah. Okay, so you can sell eight cases of beer. Is that to one person or to seven people? Don't know, but you're like, they don't know where it's going. But you can't go for a meal so with four people, but you can go in and buy 20 cases of beer. Well, you don't know that. Like, that could have been seven different people. 
Well, there was a group of 16 lads there, Neil. Yeah, I know, I know. And then we have another issue. Where did you pick up the 166 bottles of bud? Just on St. Vincent Street there, just where I live around the corner. I'm about five minutes walk from Thomas Gould. And then we have bikes, then we have uh, tugs, yeah, scumbags, young fellas, throwing bikes over the railings. Taxi would break, then the guy behind him wants to go into the back of the taxi and start out a claim. It's on Dashcam. And is that happening? It is Neil, it's happening, Neil, and my wife went out to them, I went out to them, and they called her WHORE. What were they trying to do? Set up a fake claim, is it? Exactly. And the next thing now is they're battering the apartments across the road from me, Neil. And now the latest thing is, and I've reported this 11 times to the corporation, the engineer is very busy. They're completely destroying the parking signs. They're hanging off them. They're banging them with hurleys and everything else. And none of those kids live in the area. Where do they come from? They're coming, I would say, within a five-minute walk of where where I live. Mm. And it's just out of control. We are we are a dirty city. Neil, you said this on your show. I walk my dog. I pick up his poo after him, right? Blarney Street, Sunday as well, Cathedral Road. It's full of SHIT. Again, the message, apparently, but the message coming from council, and I imagine it's the same with mm-hmm. the city council, is that uh, it's all about creating public awareness and educating people not to do that, pick it up and take it home. Now, I think that that message has been rolled out for decades now. It doesn't seem to be getting through. But it, they're, stick, it, but they're it, sticking... It won't get through, Neil. It, it, it will not get through, Neil, because they now have their phones. They don't care about rubber. They sit down and have their pizzas throw it on the floor. I pick up, we can pick up as much as we can here, put it into a recycling printer or glass, like we we cut our gardens, we cut our hedge, we print the compost, we pay our bills every year. All of us, all 13 of us in this area here, some are young, some are old, but these young togs, and they are togs, that's what they are, togs, don't have any respect for anybody. I don't know where their parents are. Got an interesting, in, interesting email just before I let you go, following the attack on those two young girls in the Glen Park. Um, mm-hmm. um, they were kicked on the ground kicked in the head on the ground both of them um, and one texter says don't give up my details but even if those young lads are caught and the guards know exactly who they are the guards the girls will be told by the guardie we know them and they're a well-known dangerous family we can arrest them but if we do we must inform them as to why we're arresting them in doing so they'll find out you, who you or your family are and they'll start hanging around outside your door threatening you not to take it to court. Most people who live normal, quiet lives don't go ahead with court cases as they don't want to be caught up in this kind of drama. So they know very well they're untouchable, these thugs, and that's the biggest problem. They're untouchable. If they do damage to my house, my father always told me, pay back the compliment. (laughs) That's That's vigilantism. No, it's not. I never used the word. I said compliment. You, you go around bust up their house. No, I didn't say that, Neil. If they put a rock into my window, I give them the rock back. Through their window, is it? If they put it through my window, Neil, they'll get the compliment back. Uh, that's the misquote from the Bible, an eye for an eye, is it? That's right. But they, So why then are we afraid that or the Gardaí need to wear these webcams and the little cameras that we have in England all over Europe? You go into a supermarket, in, I've been all over the world, as you know, Neil, right? You buy your bottle of Coke or 7-Up or your sandwich, you go back in, you put the bottle into the machine and might give you back 20, 30, 40 cents off the next item. See, you all know, you want... All- yeah, we're, all- filthy, we're filthy nation, Neil. We're, okay. we're actually filthy. Not all of us, the minority, are filthy. The 
kids, not all the kids, the kids today don't care. Because okay, you just, know why? Mark. There's no respect and there's no authority. And all, and all you want and all people want in their own neighbourhoods is to be able to live in peace and enjoy their locality, isn't it? Well, Neil, we were here last night at 6.30. And the banging from those parking signs on St. Teresa's Road, that's where I live, and, and I'm not ashamed where I live, okay? And we went out to them, and he told me to F-U-C-K myself, blah, 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 blah. And he said, we're now going battering the apartments. That's grand. I said, bye, off you go. And your wife was a W-H-O-R-E. Yeah. No. I'm not going there. I'm not how going old there. Was, how old was that kid? Uh, there, were t- there were 11, 12, and 40. Charming, isn't it? In the loving deal, and you yeah. can imagine what, what what are those parents now? Would they be in their thirties? So they're only, they're only doing what their own parents did, and it's you know like you've urged your kids to the best of your ability, your wife. Okay, I've done the best I can in life. Okay, but you know what, Neil? It's it's time to hit the pockets, man. It's time to hit the pockets because you know I think what was that lady in two thousand and fifteen? She was a politician. I think she was. Um, she worked in the EU as well with Fine Gael. She said the parents need to be fined. This so. What I want to ask you this, if a child under 18 commits damage and is caught on video, who pays for the damages? Um, I, I, I can't answer that. If I were to take a guess on it, the person whose property was damaged, because they're, where are they going to get it otherwise? Well, if it's on, They're not going to get it from the person who did the damage. But if they have proof it's on video? But, like, you can't get blood from a stone. But you see, Neil... There, there goes your case now. So what we're now saying, all kids under 18, it's a free-for-all. Okay, more calls on the way after the break. Text 0868 Thank you, Pat. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. One second there. I just got a reminder of something. I'll get to the phones in a second. Pat was talking about repay the compliment. I saw a story making irishcentral.com this morning. The story of Dan and Barbara Donovan. Um, they uh, live in Illinois. Dan is 81, and I'm not quite sure how old his wife is. I think she's probably close enough to being 81, but they were at home. When this, uh, when these th- three characters came in, um, posing as utility workers at their door, they wanted to check their fuse box. Apparently, you know stuff like that. Uh, anyway, so the couple were at home in Illinois in Illinois in their early 80s uh, one guy was up downstairs and then two guys went upstairs and then they heard noises upstairs and then they knew that something was going on um, and she, the wife cried out the husband who was a former marine incidentally grabbed the closest weapon he could find to fight off the three intruders what was the weapon he chose an Irish shillelagh apparently an old Irish shillelagh which was a family heirloom that once belonged to his grandfather and dates back to the early 18 1800s. Um, and he chased the three of them uh, down their driveway to their car while waving the Irish shillelagh walking stick. They jumped back into the car and they hightailed it at high speed. So he swung the shillelagh at him. Uh, it flew through the air and it hit the windshield. Don't know whether he cra- it cracked it or not, but um, he certainly prevented a burglary. I know that they could have turned on him, but that didn't happen either. And it was all down to his uh, very, very old and ancient Irish shillelagh. Back to the phone lines. Busy this morning. Jarrah standing by. Trish is. Marion, Mary, Seamus and Mark all standing by and I will get to you. But first up, down to Killarney we go to the great chef Paul Travode who joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Neil, how are you, sir? Good, my man. Good, my man. Do you, do you have a list of, do you have photographs up in your wall of celebrities that have visited in your, and ate in your fine establishment? 
I do indeed. I do indeed. And my I, little Hall of Fame. And in your Hall of Fame, have you a photograph of Claire Byrne? I do indeed, which is about to be removed uh, after this phone call. Okay, without over wanting to over personalizing it, so please yeah. don't. Why are you removing her photograph? Well, it's more. I, I, I put up a post there last night on, on my Facebook page that reached over 25,000 people and it was more the fact of just to be honest I'm just sick and tired of how the show not herself I'm sure she's the nicest person in the world but how the show has been treating the hospitality industry and other industries that have been shut down and haven't worked in the last whether it be nine months up to 14 months for some and it's just this kind of like sniggering and laughing and, and just comments that are coming out unchallenged and I'm just sick of it and I turn around and I said you know I've just lost all respect for unfortunately for, for perhaps herself but definitely the show. Why and, don't you? Uh, okay, you can do two things here with regard. You're talking about the fact that it's it's just COVID heavy, is it? No, I'm talking that it's blatantly laughing in the face of everybody who's out of work at the moment. That's that's how it's coming across. You've got you have people that are go, or guests that are coming on the show, uh, turning around saying, "Yeah, maybe outdoor dining by September. Maybe you know, maybe indoor at the end of September, twenty five percent capacity." And no, nobody's turning around going, "Hang on a second, do you realise what that's doing to the people who are currently in the hospitality industry, music in- industry, aviation, whatever that are out of work? Have you any idea the effect that's going to have on them? You just throwing out a flippant comment like that and it's never challenged it's never challenged why haven't you contacted the producers and either asked to be a guest or to be invited by Zoom to challenge some of these things I was hoping you would ask me this question Neil I came out with a tweet that reached over 2 million people in February when I said that I'm sick of this and it's an absolute disgrace and we're going to be opening up Trevo's restaurant in Killarney on the 1st of July no matter what and it went absolutely all over the place I was contacted by that show to go on it the following morning and told to please this was in the radio or radio show in the morning please do not talk to anybody else we want to give you the exclusive on this uh, give us the exclusive on it I said no problems and five minutes before I was supposed to go on I was called to say actually we've double booked you sorry we're going with somebody else and I went so you've stopped me from talking to everybody from a tweet that has gone huge all over Ireland and you've purposely done this now so that uh, silence me for the last 24 hours basically so I will never set foot or speak anything well, to that show was, again well, what was the reason behind cancelling you with five minutes Look, notice I, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist at all or anything but when my tweet got such popularity and so much support I'm talking 95% of people were standing behind me on this when all of a sudden that's going against the narrative of a TV show I'm you know let's put two and two here together do, do you think mocking, that it went against RT's programming policy with regards to how they cover COVID, that they won't think, give I, voice to dissenters. I, I, I don't think. I know it went, against, it went against their narrative. They had a comedian, if that's what he was called, and a professor in a big plastic balloon saying, here's the future of gigs in Ireland. This is how we're going to go to gigs in the future. You're going to walk into one of these little plastic yeah, balloons yeah. and walk around. And I'm going, Love you. like seriously, excuse my French now, but are you taking the piss here? Do you realize people haven't earned a cent in 14 months? And you're like making fun of they bring in props to show what pubs are going to be like once they reopen. One person sitting at a table, 10 feet away from everybody else. Here's the future of pubs in Ireland. You find Seriously. that mocking, do you? Of course it is. Okay. I mean, like, I mean, we can't get up and go to work. I mean, we're, I don't want to be moaning. I don't want to be giving out about my government. I want to be proud of my government. I want to be proud of the leaders that are running this country. But at the moment, and I've seen senior politicians, I don't need to name them, everybody's seen them, on these shows laughing, having fun, making jokes out of industries that are shut down. For example, right now, we're sitting here wondering. They're saying all these leaks yet again, even though they said they were going to stop all these leaks. Apparently, we all know what's coming out tomorrow in their announcement already. But we'll talk about hospitality in June. 
What does that mean? It means that you'll be able to have outdoor dining at your establishment from the June 7th. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to block off a main road if I want to do outdoor dining know, in, in, in the know, restaurant, which is pretty much 80% of the businesses. They've now told us, this is not me making this up, this is not me throwing out uh, false facts or anything, they have told us that the likelihood of catching COVID outdoors is next to zero. Am I right? Correct. So why do we have to wait another six weeks for outdoor dining? It's just, they have no idea what they're well, doing. Well, I think maybe... In six weeks' time, an awful lot more people will be vaccinated for the first time and even more for the second time. Um, and, of course, that will help with regards to suppressing the spread of coronavirus. More people are vaccinated, the safer it will be. They also have an issue with bank holidays, I think. We've seen that historically, that people tend to move a lot more, drink a lot more, socialize a lot more. So they want to maybe get those two out of the way, this one and the June one and then have a run with higher vaccines from June 7th. Does that make sense? No, because here's what, here's, what here's what they don't want to tell you, or they don't want people to think. We ran our show throughout the entire country, indoor dining last summer, with next to no cases. No cases attributed to it. What they, what they don't want you to know now is that pretty much 100% of the cases now are the UK variant that they let in over Christmas over January but they had to scapegoat somebody so hence our industry was destroyed saying this was all the bars and restaurants how can you blame okay I'll put my hand up maybe maybe it was something to do with us I know it wasn't but how can they blame the pubs that haven't been open in 14 months well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, so, so don't tell me that the reason, so the reason why they don't want to open up now at the moment is because the government have been 100% to blame for the UK variant coming into this country because of their inability to, to act and sort this out from the start. We were warned, we were shown, we were told, but we can't compare ourselves to Australia. We can't compare ourselves to New Zealand. We can only compare ourselves to countries that are doing worse than us. Okay, That's, I, that's the narrative we're I, being given. I, are, you, are you still going to open regardless indoors on July 1st? The reason why we have to do this, Neil, and this is what I don't think people realise, is that at the moment, so many Irish people are booking their holidays abroad, which is fantastic. And I don't blame anybody at all because we have no idea if we're going to be open or closed or not. So Irish people now in their thousands are booking to go to Spain, Portugal and any other country with a brain that depends on hospitality is saying, come on in. But we're not saying that. So if we don't, have, particularly in rural Ireland, if we are not open by July the 1st for indoor dining, you can say goodbye to 80% of the businesses because we haven't traded at all this winter. We can't last on a maybe end of July stroke August, two months. But they are, they are, they are announcing tomorrow, I think, the possible return of indoor dining in July anyway. Well, but you see, but like, who knows? Nobody knows. So when I first came out with this, everyone was saying, Asher, you would be open in July the 1st anyway, so stop talking crap. There's, no, there's nobody saying that to me now. Because they've speculated, they've thrown out, it could be August, it could be September. And just, just so we're clear, they have said to us for the last nine months, me all Martin, our Taoiseach has said to us, we will not see hospitality fail. We will do everything to make sure they're okay. But we haven't heard anything since. And with the greatest respect, as good as the grants and subsidies may be, they do not cover the costs of even being closed. So if they turn around and say, listen, lads, here's what we're going to do. We'll, we'll let you know in the next month or two as to when you can open. But here's the grants. Here's the subsidies. Here's the money we're going to pit, 
put straight into your bank account so you don't have to worry about anything. Neil, I don't think anyone realises, unless they're actually in this position themselves, the amount of business people, restaurateurs, musicians, anybody who was currently closed, the amount of pressure and stress that these people are going through right now because the bank is knocking on their door, the yeah. insurance company yeah. is knocking on their door. All, yeah. all yeah. these bills have to be paid and all these guys are turning around saying, like so landlords who are turning around saying, oh, you're going to get a, a startup grant of nine grand, that's great, you owe me three months rent, so I'm going to take that now. So that startup grant isn't going anywhere. So do you watch an awful lot of this uh, COVID-related television programs, whether it's the Claire Byrne live show or whether it's prime time or extended editions of the news, but do you watch all of that? You know, it's, it's like eating a chilli. You know it's hot and spicy and you shouldn't eat another one, but for some reason you go back. And I'm trying my best not to watch this stuff. But that's, that's what I was going to encourage you to because I watch very little of it now. I just don't yeah. bother anymore. You see, the problem is, though, is these guys are still getting huge ratings in the show. There's still four, five, six hundred thousand people watching these shows. So if that's, it, we're going to turn into an Adolf Hitler state, if, we don't, if somebody doesn't stand up and shout and scream and go, hang on a second, lads, you can't just flippantly throw out comments with zero consequences to the people you're affecting and think you can get away with it. It's just, that's not right. And these are supposed to be yeah, do you believe that RT, yeah, Do you believe that the national broadcaster has been unbalanced in its coverage? I think, well, let's just put it this way. They're very balanced in one direction. And it's not the direction I'm shouting and screaming for. So I did prime time and I went on and I got again a huge reaction. So you think, like Luke O'Neill, who's on every seven days of the week, nearly at this stage, you think they'd ask me back on. I have asked these guys, put me up with all of them. Put Neffet, Tony Hulan, Micheál Martin, Leo Varadkar and uh, Stephen Donnelly, put all them on one side versus me on a debate live on TV. Let's do it. Let's so, so somebody can have a voice of, of my side of the argument against these guys. It's not going to happen. Okay. They're not going to do that. Okay, just one final thing, just to keep this real. You know that in India they were celebrating weeks ago that they had beaten COVID. Only weeks ago, um, it was incredible. And you saw what happened in the space of two or three weeks where we now have many, many people dying and 500,000 testing positive a day and no oxygen. That, that could, do, you, do you know that, that could potentially happen in any country, couldn't it? Including well, us. I mean, look, do you know how many people died in India in car crashes yesterday? So should we stop driving here in Ireland? India has obviously a far greater population percentage-wise. They're not a million miles off. Of course it's spiraled out of control. I am not for one second saying open up all bars and restaurants and everybody in, lads, up at the bar counter. We went by 20% down in our capacity last year and we ran it perfectly. Restaurants, bars are controlled environments. We've been doing this all our lives before anyone even knew what COVID did. We've been taking care of people safely from day one in the world of hospitality. I'm not saying let's take the piss here, lads. I'm saying let's do it controlled exactly like what we did last year. We'll have all our guidelines in like what, like what we did last year. That's I'm not it. saying at any stage to overflow the place and, and do it. And if that's the case, then, then licenses should be taken off people. But we can certainly open. You can't, I have 80 seats in my restaurant. You can't tell me I can't have 20 or 30 people in here now. Okay, let me, me, let me see if there. I can get some more calls from people in hospitality like your good self. And let's also see what, uh, what is announced tomorrow. Might have an opportunity to talk to you after that, okay? Great stuff, Neil. Cheers for now, as always. Chef Paul Travaux from Travaux's uh, Restaurant in Killarney. Lines open at one 850 just, uh, just a fast one after the break. Thank you. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, lovely email from Sarah Collin, who's the manager of the old Tatch in Killa, on behalf of Debbie Walsh, who's the proprietor and chef down there. And they just got in touch. Say hi, Neil. Thanks so much for mentioning us on the air this morning. This was on Monday morning. 
Hopefully we'll be back for outdoor dining soon. We're only bursting to get back to all our loyal customers. We miss them terribly. And we'll save a seat for you in our beer garden whenever you're passing through our lovely village of Killa. Well, I certainly was passing through it last Saturday. The weather was absolutely glorious. And I was mentioning that it was looking down into the outdoor dining area and the beer garden of the uh, Thatch and Killa. And I was saying on the air Monday, it's begging for people to go back there. It looks fantastic. Uh, and sooner or later, it certainly will be thronged with people and families and kids again. A lot of text this morning. Uh, back at the start of February, I booked a three-night Sunday to Wednesday hotel break in Kilkenny. We're a family of two adults and three kids. We're going to at the start of July and it costs €334. Euro. I've just checked it again and if we'd booked it now, it would have cost us €523 euro if I was to book the same thing today. So a difference of €200. Euro. Hallelujah with regards to Neil's conversation with Paul Travaux. Hallelujah. Finally, someone talking sense on restaurants and outdoor dining opening up. With regards to my conversation with the chief executive of the county, Tim Lucy, he's living in the dark ages. He's completely disconnected and not listening. Even similar to Cork Airport. Um, Another one then, this is a joke. Basically, they don't want to provide any rubbish collection and want everyone to take it back to their house where we pay for private rubbish collections. So why do we pay taxes in the first place? Why put any bins outside? Stop being so soft on this. And what about toilets? Cork City and County are filthy. Using people uh, coming out of lockdown is a lame excuse. It's been filthy for years. Um, I'm not so sure about that. It's people actually make cities and counties dirty. It's the people that do it. We. Um, and I have often been in the city in the early morning after the sanitation workers have been through it and done all of their work, uh, probably in the early mornings. And first thing in the morning, I was in there on Sunday morning. I know I mentioned this earlier in the week. And it was pristine. It was the most beautiful, beautiful city. Uh, every section of the city council are getting money for nothing. City's filthy with rubbish and dog mess. It's just disgusting. It's not the council fault that Cork people are filthy, Neil. I've seen parents dumping empty sweet packets in front of their children. And just one or two quick ones here. What's the hidden agenda about being totally against bins, I wonder? It's not Tim Lucy's money. Jesus wept. And a final one. While you're talking about litter, I was walking down the old Mallow Road this morning. There's plenty takeaway food cartons and bags, half-eaten food from Dino's and McDonald's and Blackpool. Shouldn't these establishments be taking responsibility? for everything that's dumped around their premises. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Received a text this morning, as we do many of them, and, and one stood up, stood out, because uh, it was such a tragic, tragic occurrence, the loss of a life, a young man whose life was... Uh, taken at the age of 22. I'm referring, of course, to uh, Connor King, who died tragically at the weekend. I got an email in from a parent. Um, it says, I'm a parent of one of Connor King's closest friends. Uh, they went to school together. They traveled together. They socialized together. They're a great bunch of lads, and they all hung out all through their lives, and they all looked after each other. They are really hurting and are devastated at his tragic passing, the loss of their friend, Connor King. His funeral is today at 11 a.m. Perhaps if you get an opportunity, you might play Puff Daddy. I'll be missing you. Puff Daddy's I'll be missing you and Connor King is being laid to, well, his 
funeral services on at the moment and then to the crematorium afterwards. And I play that, um, I think it's okay to say, on behalf of his closest friends who were all in bits at his passing. Lines open at 1850 104 106. You can text 0868 104 106. To the phone lines we go. Um, Jar, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Neil, before we start there, can I offer my condolences and my sympathy to the King family and the tragic loss of their son? Beautifully said, and thank you for that, and so say all of us. Um, we were talking earlier, and I'll come back to motorhomes and caravans and, and issues like that in, in a few minutes' time, but you're talking about mobile home parks, are you? Yes, Neil. Um, See, if like you don't pay, if you don't pay your fees, will you not be evicted? Uh, well, he's not as bad as that, no, in fairness, I'm like, but he, they aren't demanding their fees, no, at the moment. Yeah. Full fees. No discount, no? No, not at the moment. But like, as we said, we've been in contact with him, but we're not getting any proper response from him. But I don't blame that man at all, because he's neither here nor there. Because, no, he's got no, uh, as they say, road map to open up his caravan parks or anything like that. So I wouldn't be against him in that category, you know. I, I'm not putting all the blame on him. Are you, are you aware that we would be expecting that you'd be able to stay in your mobile home from June 7th? Jesus, June 7th. The, the, I didn't know what, what I was getting well, on. Well, I'm, throw, I'm throwing caravan parks into <laughs> hotels and B&Bs. Would I be right? That would be right, wouldn't it? Well, why would they? Like, they're all private accommodation. The kids are back in school. Most of the people down there are being vaccinated. Why should we are not mixing with other people? We know the people we're mixing with. We know they've been careful. Government source said that they're holding off until after the June Bank Holiday weekend because that means we'll get over a long weekend where an awful lot of COVID nineteen spreading occurs. People can go on then and enjoy the rest of the summer. But where are they getting the information from me? Like because if you go to any beach at the moment, Saturday, Sunday. And a bank holiday weekend. It's going to be jam-packed. So where's their sense in, in, in that? Like, you know what I'm saying? I know. It's frustrating. Um, and, you know, the drip feeding of information makes it even more frustrating. But we are where we are. Um, you know, even if you don't pay the fees, you'll have to pay them anyway at some stage to get in the gate. Oh, yeah, we'll have to pay the fee. Like, there's no doubt about that. Well, we have no you know you're saying you won't yet. pay until you know what's happening. But then you'll have exactly. to pay the full fee anyway, won't you? Well, we'll have to discuss that. Like, what's, are you going to pay for a service you're not using? See, I don't, know, what, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many people are holding out like that, you know. Would you think there are many like you who haven't paid? Oh, well, I've spoken to a few and they said they're, they're not going to pay the full lash. Like, why should we? We just say them last year. We got down for June, and we were all the end of June, and we were gone again. There's no use keeping the parks open another month because the kids are back in school. That's what it's called. It's called a carbon holiday campsite mm. parking. You know what I mean? Mm. That explains this from what I said. It's a holiday home. People who own their own homes, and sorry, no good, and not trying to talk over them. People who own their own holiday houses can go down to them. Uh, right. no, away, no, eh? they can't. Now, at the moment, no. Ah, no, no. At their last week, if you remember yourself. You I, I, I mean, that's fine if you're in County Cork, but we're talking about people who might have, say, for instance, not in your case, because you're down in West Cork, but might be, might have wanted to go to Kerry, you know, and well, maybe. 
No, I'm only talking about the people. Like the six caravan parks, mobile home parks in Galveston. We can't go down to them, but yet in Court McSherry, where our Taoiseach has his own holiday home, he can go down there, but we can't go to a mobile because home. Because he's in a house where there's no one else but the house. You're in a caravan park where there's lots of other caravans and there'll be a lot of socialising and mixing. Isn't that what they're saying? That's what they're saying, but if you go down to Court McSherry, you'll see all the private holiday houses and they're mixing. To the same extent? I don't know. Yeah, you, uh, no, come on, Neil. Because this government that we have here couldn't organise a piss-up in a brewery. Yeah. And that's a fact. Very funny this morning, Stephen Donnelly was on News Talk this morning saying that the 31st of June isn't a magical date for vaccination targets. What Stephen Donnelly doesn't realise is there's no 31st of June, there's only 30 days in June. Remember the old saying, 30 days had September, yeah, April, September. June. And <laughs> well, like that would tell you, he didn't know his ass from his elbow. Let me, let me move. Know, it's, it's just it's the fact like that we're in lim- limbo land. Like we, we have to get on and we have to get prepared for the summer. But like the hotels, do we go along and clean it? We really couldn't up to last week. I want to talk. I want to talk with um, people who have motorhomes. Is that okay with you? I, but I understand your frustration. I hope you get more calls like yours with regards to mobile home owners. Thank you, Jar. Uh, Kieran please, has. Before you go, there one second, please, because a good friend of ours, Bobby Lynch, he had an operation there last week, and oh. I hope he's listening and he recovers. Good Bobby stuff. Oldest. Cop taxi concert. Oh, lovely guy. Yeah. Wish him so well. Could you give an old show from there like a good man? Please? You've done it from. Well done, Jar. Get well soon, Bobby. I hope you're over the worst of it. Appreciate it. Now, um, some emails and texts from over the past couple of days, particularly with people who decided to head to the beach and head to the county. Uh, particularly those in camper vans and two this morning stood out uh, one was that there were 14 uh, camper vans in a row Sunday morning packed up in Yall they treat the regular car parks like campites, campsites uh, another one then was talking about apparently camper vans that were moved on and guards who arrived and find eight camper vans Friday night in Garriston. Now we checked with the guards with that and they uh, checked with local guardy and they couldn't find a report of anyone being sent home in their in their camper van. So I don't know how accurate that is. But one camper van enthusiast said that there were 85 campers uh, from uh, outside the county um, who were down in Cork with their camper vans who shouldn't have been. So obviously there's a lot. And then there was another one from a family who are camper van owners and they were down at the weekend in Garrettstown and they said that they always park neatly, they never leave litter, they don't hinder parking or traffic flow ever. Which kind of flies in the face of people on the air yesterday morning saying the camper vans were being unfair and selfish because they were taking all the spaces that families couldn't use when they went down in their own cars. Kieran has a Phoenix, a Phoenix Motorhome, he's vice chairman of the Phoenix Motorhome Club, uh, campaigns on behalf of uh, camper van owners and what have you, joins me by phone. Kieran, good morning. Yeah, how are you getting on? I'm good. How, what, what do you make of the, the reaction to, to camper vans piling up and you know taking over car parks? Well, you see, camper van parking and camping are two different things. Your camper van is packed and insured, and if it can fit in a car park, it has the same entitlement to be there uh, as anyone else. Now, camper vans are self-isolated. We're going to be the saviour of the, the, the tourism industry this year, I reckon, right? Like two points here. Yeah. All the English are going to be coming here now because of the free the common travel area. They're not going to be going to Europe because of the bad blood and what have you. Now, some statistics for you. 14,000 taxed motorhomes in the country. Campsites have only provision for 4,000 
parking in their in their site. Plus, they only open three, four, maybe five months a year. Uh, where, where are the other ten thousand going to park? That's what I'm saying. No, a lot of councils are coming on. Middleton is parking. Uh, Coles is parking. And as of last week, Dungarvan have bylaws allowing parking for 10 euros for 24 hours. Now, it's not open yet under the COVID thing. But there is a lot. And there's a lot of private ones around the place. Plus, technically, you can park any place to stay after any car park. Once you don't put out camping gear and chairs and tables and barbecues, which can people but does do. It, but does it not at all, I mean, I know you have a vested interest in this, but as an observer, does it not seem somewhat selfish that people who are desperate to get when the weather is great to the beach in their car with their kids are discommoded to say the least because you guys are parked up for the weekend. You never move. Uh, point to make for you there, y'all. There is only two places to park camper vans in y'all, and that's where that lady said they are. They are just at the back of the railway. All the other car parks have height barriers in them. Clay Castle is huge. You can take five or six hundred cars. Um, all the other car parks in front of it, right next to where those car parks are full, there's one. There's one above above the, the kitchen foot course that you see. Never used. So that's kind of disingenuous. Yeah, but okay, but that's y'all, and there is the whole long space down there. And I think Cove is something similar, isn't it? They have. A lot of caravan designated or camper van designated, but there's 30, 30 yeah. designated days, yeah. which made eighteen thousand. Sorry, twenty thousand for the council on the first six months they opened in two thousand and eighteen, which they are piping the money back into beautiful children's <laughs> thing there, who everybody been from our uh, gains from. But smaller beaches, all of the West Cork beaches, don't have those kind of facilities to facilitate camper vans who are taking up the car parks. Now, what difference is a car? You normally have two in a camper van. You might have five or six in a car. What's the difference? Because you're, there, the you're, there we- you're there all weekend. Yeah, well, they leave money to the local community. The spin per, per person per camper van is 60, euro, 60 euros per person per day. These are European, and they are spend a bit more than that, meeting. But um, like, if the facilities put, well, first we'll go. No, there is. Some people that don't, you know, who are not in clubs and don't know any better. And this year, it will be a slight bit of a problem, I say, because campers and can't be got in the country. Everyone and anyone is buying them because that's the only way you can get out. Now, a lot of hotels will have us. We pay a bit or a night or else they'll take that money off a meal uh, for, for parking in their cafe. Hotels and pubs, the same. We can, we'd be the savers in this year. All they have to do is just provide parking for us. They can bring the food out to us, the pints out to us. And like, everybody gains. Yeah, and I suppose you kind of have stealing a bit of march on everybody else. I think anybody at the moment who has a camper van or a holiday home, they can do whatever they want in the county of Cork, can't they? Well, can, yeah, well, I give you statistics again. Bad free last week, and they were all quite legal. Parked on the, the pier, that was full. The West Lodge has parking for campers. There was a fair few of in there, and there was a few around the town, and they weren't upset in any way. So to people who want to go to the same places as you with their car and their kids, and they're going home after a few hours, what do you say to them? Where should they go? Well, I don't think, I mean, 14 vans in y'all now compared to the amount of cars down there, like, they just, and most places... Garrettstown? Garrettstown was bad? But, uh, yeah, I had, there was 85, no, I was told how many was there. The guys went around asking where people were from, uh, all the different cars I had, with the exception of one Northern Ireland van, who was told to go home. That's what I have now, I'm fairly good authority. Yeah. Yeah, and that is accurate, actually. We were told the same. There was 85, call, they're called Freedom Campers. Does that make sense? 
Uh, oh, you don't, don't make any sense to me anyway. No, well, it says here that uh, uh, that 85 of them were from outside the county and one was sent home to the north. Yeah, no, they were from... But were the, the other, there was no, no, the other 84 from. told to get out of Cork, no? No, 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 I don't think so. I didn't hear that anyway, no. no I don't hear because people, oh. I know people... But why weren't they sent out, out of Cork, like, if they're not from Cork? They were, they were, they were from Cork. They were from Cork. They were from Cork. Gotcha. Okay, the rest of them were Cork. Okay. Yeah, one was in home, I think, for the Northern Ireland event. Oh, okay. That, I'm just looking at the guard report. You're right. The camper van enthusiast that contacted us said that 85 campers, one was from outside of the county, and it was from the north and sent home. The others were yeah. all Cork camper vans. But where where do people in cars park? Yeah, well, this is just because there's no place open. I mean, it's not, I'd say any other year you didn't get that volume of vans down there. Okay, all right. And are you saying to me that for love nor money you can't buy now or rent a camper van, is it? Uh, in five, about 20 people at me at the minute, do I know anyone selling vans? Where are you buy new? And even buy new, the dealers won't have new stock until September. Such as the demand no, with the summer ahead. We are going to be flooded with campers this year. It's just, we're going to have a lot more of this stuff. What's coming, will be coming from Europe. It's just thing there, but the English will definitely be coming anywhere. And you will be coming from the north. Plus, the site, uh, take the caravans into account, they'll fill the site. I'm talking the site. They're booked out for when they open, even though people don't know when they're open. Okay, okay. Just one final question then, because camper vans can move about, of course, obviously, and it, it really is your home on wheels. And then if somebody yeah. has a holiday home somewhere in the county of Cork, they're probably staying there whenever they want. But mobile home parks are closed. Is that fair? I don't think it's really is a serious suit. I don't think it is. You know, if people stick to their, their mobile home, you know, I don't think it's fair really. And there's no chance of anything changing there until early I June? Don't, I don't think so. That's what I'm hearing on the ground. It'll be after the June bank holiday before sites and that kind of stuff are open. That's what things staying as they are. Okay, Karen. thanks for taking the call. Do stay in touch. Love to hear more in the coming months as we head across and into the summer. Back to the phone as we go. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You're one of those lucky um, enough to have a camper van. I have indeed. We have a camper van for quite quite some years now. I, I was listening earlier and people giving out about camper vans parking in car parks. Yeah. But I was also listening when people were saying that they were looking into hotel staycations and it was a thousand euro for two nights. Now we oh, well up to up to they were coming in at to, between okay. five fifty and a thousand and eleven hundred. Okay. But even five fifty is a lot of money for two nights in a hotel. 100% it is. We are lucky enough to have our own camper van. We're completely self-sufficient. We have our own onboard water, shower facilities. Now, when we go places, we explore places. We would dine out. We would use local supermarkets. I believe we add to the local economy. Most camper van owners, again, ourselves included, are very respectful of the environment. We leave no trace. That's practically a camper van motto owner's motto so I mean in essence we're, we're being encouraged to staycation we have the ability with our motorhomes to staycation but it seems like everywhere that we want to go we're not welcome now we've travelled extensively all over Europe we've been to Italy we've been to Croatia we've been to Germany we've been to France on numerous occasions and the facilities on the continent in comparison to Ireland are second to none you can go to a tiny little village 
in France and you're welcomed there. There's parking facilities there. There's water facilities. There's a nominal fee of maybe five or ten euros okay, per right. night. But, but surely you're welcome everywhere you go here under normal circumstances. No. No, no, not at all at all. Not at all at all. As, as some of your previous callers said, even like the likes of Yall, which is quite local to us, there's height barriers in car parks. Now, as that your previous caller highlighted, camper vans are taxed and insured and obviously very well maintained because it is your second home. Well, why aren't you welcome? Um, I, I really don't know. In what I way are you not welcome? one or two... Height barriers, you're stopped from going to visit, just say, as I say, I'm going to take y'all as an example, but if you look at the other side of it, then Cove, Cove has a facility for, I think it's about 30 motorhomes, it's 10 euro per night, and on any given time, if you go visit that, that place is absolutely spotless, it's not just the council that are maintaining it, it's camper van owners are very, very respectful. So there are many places that you would want to, oh, you mentioned Cove and y'all there, but the, and they're they're, yes. they're doing their bit, they're right. But you're saying lots of places that you try to go to in the camper van, say in West Cork, or if you go over to Kerry, a place like that, the car parks have barriers on them that you can't get into. Yes. So you have nowhere yes. to... So, yes. Where, yes. so where do you park up in circumstances like that? Well, ordinarily, we tend to take our camper van to the continent. Um, there's, we, there's actually not many places I feel in Cork. There's also what's called wild camping and you just you literally find a nice safe spot and you park up okay. you're not impeding on anybody you're not causing any obstruction and again as I said you're respectful of the local it's only because thank you for that and and I know all of that, I know all of, that. I know all of that and that is never an issue this raised its head yesterday because many people headed to beaches at the weekend and found camper vans were a, pl- were a plague upon the car parks you see it was just the but weekend they're not was- a plague well they, were, well, they were to people who were there with their families and had nowhere to park their cars. They were only out for the That's afternoon, you see. That's begrudgery again. If there was another car parked in the park in a parking space, would they be giving out? No, they wouldn't. The no, they, no, they wouldn't because they would so, see a camper van so being there, no realizing that the camper van is there for the weekend. But, but there's no difference. There's absolutely no difference. Well, I don't know how many people would have put the seats back and slept in the car overnight, for instance. And, and I appreciate that, but if there was another car in that parking space, would somebody ring you and say there was a car in the parking space that I wanted to? No, park and you know that's not the point they, I'm making. Yeah, and, but I know, but that is that is that is a very valid point because motorhomes are taxed and insured, and if, if there's a parking facility there that they can fit into safely. Without causing obstruction. So if somebody drove, if somebody drove into the space that was allocated for a camper van in their car, would you be okay with but that? But you see, there's no because it, that's like comparing apples and oranges, Neil. If like if you were to go around the county and count each individual allocated camper van space, I'd say you, you wouldn't add up. You wouldn't add up to fifty. You'd be lucky, maybe to add up to yeah. Maybe 50. Okay. So okay. No. So it's not like with like. Okay. They're not there. The facilities aren't there. Okay. Not Where are you heading this summer? Have you been anywhere yet in the camper van? No, we haven't been anywhere yet this year. This year, maybe when the kids finish school. Last year, I was very reluctant. We only used the camper van three times because obviously because of COVID, and I was extremely nervous. But after going away three times last year in the camper van, I realised how safe it is. 
So, so you're not going to be, there's a market for it. You're not going to be selling it anytime soon. Oh, definitely not. All right. Okay. Definitely, definitely not. We enjoy it too much. Cheers. Uh, one of the reasons Thanks somebody's suggesting that they're blocking off those areas is because travelers will go into the fields. They will go into the areas as well, knowing that that's why they put up those barriers. And that's why these camper people f- can't find or don't have spots because of the barriers is to keep out members of the traveling community. Okay. Text 0868104106. Pick uh-huh. up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four. 106. Lots of people standing by. Maria, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Um, from um, camper vans to caravan parks, mobile home parks. Yeah. No, I just my, my, I was just saying there that I, I actually think that if they did open up the car the caravan parks, we call it, and in y'all in particular, no, um, you'd have less tra- you'd have less traffic on the car parks. Like I was down there over the weekend, and I had I actually counted. It was very very busy there on Saturday, and I counted. I was going along and because I was parking the road. There was about 150 cars. Sorry, yeah. About 150 cars more, actually, because there was more on the grass. So, I mean, the amount of people, if you give two people for each car, that's given it lightly. Um, like, you're talking about three car- carbon parks that are closed. Give or take 200 in each, that's 600. The majority of people that have vans down there are coming down for the day because they can't go into their vans. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they they not even they can't even go in on the day. You just can't go in full stop. No, they can't go in full stop. No, yeah, they yeah. can't. And how do you feel? I mean, do you have a mobile home in y'all? You do. I do. Yeah. Okay. For the last twenty five years, I'm going down there about twenty five years. So, so if if somebody had a holiday home in y'all, they can go to it right now, stay overnight, can't they? They yeah, can do whatever they yeah. want, East Cork, West Cork, yeah. wherever. But you can't go into your mobile home. No, that's frustrating. You know, I mean... And you won't be across the month, you won't be able to do that across the month of May either. No, judging last year, last year was the 29th of June when we opened. So if they opened the mobile home, say the weather was good and mobile homes were open across May, then it would free up a lot more facilities for people in cars. Oh, oh my God, yeah. And and, and you know what, the camper vans, I love seeing the camper, we all love seeing the camper vans coming because it kind of brings that old summery feeling into you. Like when you see them coming, you know summer's coming, you know? All right, thanks for that. Thanks, Maria. Appreciate it. It's a very disturbing email, actually. I'm a long-time listener to your show, and I'm dropping you a mail to see if perhaps you may be able to help. Please obviously don't give out any of my father's personal information, but I'm a 38-year-old male. I moved back home to my father's house six years ago after my brother, who he lived with, passed away. My dad is 82 this year, and his health and mobility isn't good. He uses a walking stick and moves very slowly. But a big issue with him is the stairs. I go to bed before him every night as he likes to watch TV late. Plus, he has trouble sleeping. You know how it is. I stay awake until he gets to bed as I really do worry. I'm standing inside my bedroom door as he goes up the stairs. First, 10 steps. I can hear the aches and the groans. Then I hear a pause. Then he tackles, tackles the last three with a big groan at the top. It's like clockwork. My dad hasn't been active during the pandemic and he has gotten a lot weaker. Only goes to the local butchers or collects his pension and he's wrecked by the time he gets home. Uh, I have a full-time job. When I get home, it's cooking and cleaning time for the evening to make sure everything is okay. My dad has lost many family members over the years and it certainly has taken its toll. I would do anything for him and would gladly follow him through the gates of hell if he asked me. My dad's doctor sent someone out last year to see if they could help with some mobility aids. Uh, 
He got a shower seat, which he can't really use, and I put up a shower handle and outside handles to help when he's coming into the home. Uh, The guy that called asked my dad to walk up the stairs to check to see if he needed a stair lift. My dad's dignity and pride made him go up the stairs like never before and made him tell the guy that there was no need for a stair lift. It was a dignity thing. He's an old army man, so he doesn't like giving an impression of needing assistance. Since then, his mobility has gotten a lot worse, and he's given in to the fact that he needs a stick to walk with. He's gotten a few falls around the house, and I've been there for those, and it is scary when they happen. But I'll do everything I can to help him. I would gladly walk behind him going up the stairs, but there's no way he would ever want that to happen. A few nights ago, I heard the groans and I went out. I saw my dad at the top of the 10 steps, but could only use the banister on the left due to his right arm being sore. So he had his hand on the left banister and his right hand on the stairs. The stair itself. So basically kind of lying down, coming up the stairs, as in crawling up the stairs. He said, that's the easiest way to get up, he finds. Everything about him coming up the stairs worries me. I've gotten forms recently to apply for a grant for a stair lift. There's so much in it, and it worries me how long it would take for anything to come out of it. I really don't know what to do about it, as every night is the same, and he wouldn't even go back upstairs during the day because of it. Instead of saving energy for the trip up at night, he just stays downstairs all day, saving that energy. It hurts watching this, and I want to do anything that would help my dad. He's always been there for me, and to see him lose some pride, something he values so much, is so much worse. So I'm looking for some advice, Neil. What do I do, or where do I turn? The thought of him getting up the stairs in no pain and comfort is my end goal at this stage. I would genuinely appreciate any help you or your team could offer, but again, if this goes on air, don't give out my private details. I would never do that. And I, can th- I, and I understand the reasons why you in particular would ask for that because your dad has his dignity and his pride. And that's the reason. Um, and it's kind of lovely in one way, but tragic in another. But that's the reason why somebody came out um, to assess for the stair lift that he mustered up every single ounce of strength and courage. I'm not saying that he bolted up the stairs, but he just... He, he just called on every sinuous body to get up that stairs and to prove to this man, this stranger, that he was capable of walking on his own. An old army man, if you like, not wanting to give the impression of needing assistance. And of course, on that basis, I imagine, he was turned down for it, and that's tragic. But I could understand it was a pride issue for your dad. But clearly, when you came out that night and found himself literally, the best way he can get up the stairs is to crawl up it, um, you can understand that he really did need it then and needs it more so than ever now. So um, thank you for getting in touch. We're contacting Tommy Gould, who's your local TD, uh, on your behalf. Um, and hopefully we can expedite matters. I know in the past, it's been some time now, we did manage to expedite issues like a stair lift. Now, things have changed very much over the years, of course, and there, there's an awful lot more hoops to jump through now. Uh, but it's certainly something we're going to give it our best shot. Um, if there's anybody listening, actually, that went through a similar scenario, you're saying that you've gotten lots of forms to apply for the grant for the stairlift, but there's so much in it, you don't know how long it might take. You're suggesting it might take, um, what, like six months, a year, 18 months, two years. So that's what I'm going to endeavor to find out. Um, 
but because of the fact that you contacted us, we certainly will work on your behalf on this. So don't lose hope. Hang in there and uh, I will update people on air with regards to your plight and you as well, okay? Uh, so things are in hand. Um, if anybody's been through this actually, uh, and sometimes, you know, there's private enterprise out there that might want to get involved or, or help out. All of those conversations are welcome if you want to get in touch with us. Email neil at redfm.ie. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Yeah, 13 steps on the stairs. Um, and he said the first 10 steps, I can hear the aches and groans. Then he pauses. And then with one big effort tackles the last three with a big groan at the top. It's like like clockwork, night after night. Uh, and he's getting weaker. Uh, and obviously COVID hasn't been kind either in many different aspects of his dad's life. Text 0868104106. Prompted to call actually in a text from Joanne. Joanne, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How yeah, are you? It's sad, it's sad to read it. It must be sad to hear it, yeah? Story like that. It's, all, it's awful. It's awful. Um, I have one here. Um, Bumped my late mother. And he's more than welcome to it. You know, the wor- that's a fabulous gesture of kindness. You know the world we live in now with regards to health and safety and things like that. What do you, what do you think? Would it be possible? Well, uh, it's, it's for straight stairs. I mean, my mum only used it for maybe a year and a half. It's, it's here and I, I'd be delighted to give it to the if I, if I could get somebody professional to fit it, it would make it safe and usable, wouldn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Oh I'd my God, that, that would be such an answer to his prayers, wouldn't it? Because we could get that wouldn't done. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. I might, I might just check with regards to health and safety. And I know that if I do check, I'll probably find that it's not permittable under HSE health and safety rules. I mean, I, I know this from experience over the years with people who have had wheelchairs, mobility frames, all sorts of things. Um, and they weren't able to give them back and they weren't able to give them to other people. Because they were electrical, yeah. No, and also because, um, I don't know, it might have to do with insurance or indemnification or, you know, okay, being used yeah. before. But uh, I, I, I have I, the remote controls and everything. It's, you know, it's the seat, it's, it's first straight stairs, it's there. It, and as I said, he's more, I'd be more than happy to help the gentleman out. Here, I will check it in the meantime, and then he can make a decision himself, if you like. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to contact him and find out if the stairs are straight. If the stairs yeah. are straight and I find a professional, I might even get, I don't know whether I get grief over this, I don't care. Uh, if there's a professional that, that fits them and will fit it, right? Yeah. Um, then we'll make that happen. That would be brilliant, yeah. So, brilliant. thank you so much for that. That's a great gesture. And if it, if, it ha- if it happens, that would be terrific. But let's see if we can make it happen, all right? Absolutely. Please, God, hopefully. Thank you, Joanne. No problem. You're thank very you. Good. Take You're very care. Good. So, can no. we, we'll check when we get off the air. Again, it's about, like I know, our stairs is a bend in it. There's a few bends in it in, in my parents' house. There's also, it goes up the long one and then it turns right and there's three or four steps at the top of it again. You know the way it is, but we'll find out. But it just goes to show the kindness of people. Uh, I got a second-hand one. It can be done. I got a second-hand one from Abbey Mobility from my late, late husband some time ago. Here's their number. Well, let's get in touch with them as well. See if we can start a conversation with them. It might well be able to make a difference. Lines open at one eight fifty on that. Text 0868-104-106. A lot to cover just before I quit, but... Um, let me just talk to Timmy, if you don't mind, before I move ahead and change topic. Timmy, good morning. How's it going, Neil? Um, you have some uh, information that you can share. You've got Able Healthcare, is it? 
Yeah, well, I, I've been working for Abel for the last 13 years and the lads are quite sound. I was just talking to the boss man there, Alan Vaughan, and we could uh, we could sort something out, all right? What do you mean by sort something out? I'm flabbergasted. We can we can fit it or whatever. Or like obviously, like a straight stairlift might work in 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 this guy's house, you know. So we'll have to call out and see what we can do for him because we'd have we'd have a lot of lifts up up in the office up by the airport, and we might have something even even sitting around. And if not, look, we'll try and sort out sort something out for him. Are, are you saying to me now that you will source and put in a stairlift? Well, we can we can we can source something for him, yeah. And like, even if that lady's straight lift, we'll do. We'll fit that. Unreal. And so, and do we have any health or safety issues attached to that being a used one? I or? wouldn't think so. No, oh, no. Man, we've we've put in we've put in second hand lifts for people that like came out of the neighbor's house and put into the. Put into the the neighbour's house down the road, you know, and there was no panic with it. Either. I am so delighted to hear this. This is great in the space of six or seven minutes. Okay, let me coordinate this. Um, Perfect, the, st- yeah. the stairs is straight for ten steps. Then there's this, you know, the small little flat area which we call like a mini landing, and then there's yeah. three steps either to the right or the left. I'm not sure. How yeah. does that sound yeah. to you? Yeah, that'd be a curve lifting. And we have. We have lifts in the office, so we'll try and match up one of them. You know, I know, I know. It's like measuring stairs, you have to. It, the, the rail is actually made for the stairs. You know, so no, we just so we can. We just rang the lad there a few minutes ago, okay. and he gave us the details of the. Uh, he's 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 in bits at the generosity of listeners, and he's blown away by your offer. Absolutely speechless. No <laughs> I am too. Yeah, we we do we do we do bathrooms for people and stairlifts and you'll be surprised how many people need help you know and they don't get the help because it can so, be slow to go through the official channels. No, it's, it's desperate. Yeah, some people wait two three years. Some oh people. Uh, we went out to a guy that was fit in a bathroom and he had to cut the end of the bathhouse because he's waiting years for a for a for a bathroom. You know. So he could get a, so that he could move around in the bathroom. So he could even have a shower. Yeah, he had to cut the end of his bathhouse because he's waiting so long for the grant. You know. It's tragic, isn't it? Yeah, it's very bad. That's amazing. I mean, you have no idea, maybe you do, at the change to this elderly man's life and to the relief of his son by your kind offer. Yeah, no problem at all. We'll talk about Fantastic. Thanks so much, Timmy. We'll no be back to you. I'm delighted no this is going to happen. And yeah. will you thank everybody there at Able Healthcare? Thank you so much. I will. Not about it. Cheers, Cheers. my friend. Take care. Brilliant. That's all I can say. That's brilliant. I mean, the life, the change in his life is going to be incredible. It really and truly is. And imagine we can get, we can make this happen in a matter of days, perhaps. It's just amazing. It really and truly is the kindness of people. So let's make that happen when we get off the air. And uh, I'll keep you updated on that in the coming days or week or whatever the case may be. But certainly what we can say there is, job done. Oh, can I just also say a couple of thank yous. Thank you so much to Wendy uh, from Hanley. She won a 300 euro Tesco voucher last week and she just sent the most beautiful cupcakes from Cupcake Chick and uh, they're beautifully done um, here in front of me and uh, many of them even have the uh, Red FM colours on them. I think there's, did you know that there is such thing as a cheesecake cupcake? Why didn't anybody tell me that when I've been given out about cupcakes for the last 10 years? that they're not just all sponge fantastic thank you Wendy that's a super gesture and also I'm going to post some photographs of these on my Instagram a little later on but also the Cork Candyman who sent us some serious jellies and sweets yesterday a big hamper box of them 
um, and we've been having them for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And there's enough to go around the radio station and all of the radio station's extended families as well. So the Cork Candyman is on Facebook and also on Instagram. And Emer asked me to tell you, Cork Candyman, that your frog jellies are out of this world. He's adapted his business, actually. And I might come back tomorrow and tell you a little bit more about the Cork Candyman. But it was a lovely, kind gesture and just goes to show, even in spite of a pandemic and COVID, businesses can be adjusted, uh, not just to survive, but to thrive. Okay. All right. I didn't, I didn't do this earlier on this morning because it was just so busy, but I should have played you a cue to call for our family passes. We have family day passes to give away uh, for photo, for photo wildlife park. So I'm going to play it now. We'll take, we've got two day family passes. All right. Uh, to give away, uh, callers 10 and 11. Right? If you thought that monkeys went, you'd be wrong. They go. Are you sure they're not walruses that you confuse the sound? Like from my childhood, Cheetah always went. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Hardly touched your text, lads, so I'll do a lot of those in the morning, I promise. Keep the text coming. Text 0868-104-106. Um, uh, just a couple of points of clarification. Mark tells me it is actually the sound of a monkey, but it's a howling monkey call. It's the call of a monkey when the monkey is howling. And another, I'm heartbroken. I'm absolutely heartbroken. I didn't spot the comma. Uh, chick, cheesecake chick, it says, cheesecake comma cupcakes which is a very big difference to cheesecake cupcakes, isn't it? So apparently, I don't know whether or not you can get a cheesecake cupcake. I thought you could, but there's a comma in there. And the comma can make all the difference, as the fella says. You know, just one or two just before I go, uh, and our family passes for a photo go to Dave Bunyan from Inniscaraview and Balancholic and Elaine Murphy from Model Farm Road. Can I just have a quick chat with Trisha Flaherty, if you don't mind, because we were talking yesterday about scones or scones, jam first or cream first. Are you there? I am bringing it for the photo tickets. Um, oh, uh, they're gone. They're gone. I twin guards here and they're jumping around the kitchen. They're gone. They're gone. Trish. Hi. Sorry, I don't know what I did there. I confused a photocomp with you, so my apologies. This is Trish, that poor misfortunate woman. Trish, is that you? Line three, it says. No, no, it's not happening. As soon as we get the line sorted, I don't know what happened there. They all, they all just flashed at the same time. So they must be just thrown line six now, they're telling me. Okay. No, there's nothing on six either. Weird. Let, let me just see. Are you there, Trish? I am there. Oh I am God. here. Bouncing in my kitchen. I have no idea what happened there. My apologies. Anyway, what I do know is you're cake baker and cake maker supreme with touch of magic in Carrigaline. So, um, with regards to, firstly, I'm horrified that there, there, one moment I thought there was a cheesecake cupcake and now there's not. Is there or isn't there? There is. There is a cheesecake cupcake. Which yes, is it? Which is a cheese? Cream cheese and sour cream and digestive um, biscuit base. It's yummy. Oh my God, that sounds lovely. Because I think cupcakes, other than that, are kind of dull things, you know? No, cupcakes bring smiles to people's faces. You can have a miserable day and somebody hands you a zested lemon cupcake and you're puckered up for the day. Anna, oh, way no. too much icing and way too much sponge. <laughs> But the cheesecake. Uh, this is where not at all. It's the, it's the secret is the Italian meringue buttercream. And Neil, I'll have to bring you in some Italian meringue. 
Be wasted. Be wasted on me. Be wasted on me. You want to make my life light up? Bring me Chester cake. Anyway, tell me the story. Tell me the story about about scones. Jam first or cream first? Oh, jam all the way right to the edges, and then piled high with dollops of cream where you need a ladder to eat the scone. Absolutely. And jam and first. fruit scone or plain? You see, this is the thing. I'm a plain. I prefer the plain scone because my kids used to pick out the raisins and anything that looked foreign in, in the scone because there was no way they were going to eat them. I mean, even chocolate chips have been dodged when they're in a scone. They just love them plain. And even when Sophie, my daughter, was very, very little, she just used to say, Mom, scones and sham. S-H-A-M. <laughs> scones and sham. And, and, and you know, I think the other thing too, it's funny with scones because you'll find others then, of course, will use slathers of butter before they put the jam on. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry now, but that's even a faux pas. What? I mean, it's, lad, it's jam all the way. Oh, no. <laughs> ah, no. Butter and jam. No, and, cr- no, like- and you see, that's the thing because, you see, what happens with the butter is the butter, when you slather it on the stone, it's delicious on its own. But the minute you add the jam, the butter becomes the sort of barrier and then you don't get the jam soaking into the fresh <laughs> I want one I want one I want one bad so this is a warm scone we're talking about where the butter Absolutely. melts in yes yes and then you've got so your, your your jam and then you've got your four pounds of cream on top of it and, <laughs> and do you use your granny's like, recipe I mean do do scone recipes vary Oh, yeah, they do. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, you'll find, and I suppose people with dietary requirements as well, you've got the vegan scone, you've got the gluten-free scone. Granny was a scream. My granny was a ticket because she was so brilliant in the in the kitchen baking and she used to say, a dollop of this, a pinch of that. And not that she'd, she'd write down messages, but it was always a pinch of this, a magic sprinkle of this. And I mean, it was like Janie Max. So it was only when you're standing next to her, you get realise what she was putting into the scones um, and the secret was literally f- speed and a hot oven Get because away. if you flap around with the scone and trying to knead it you, you'll kill the dough you overwork the gluten and you end up with scones that you could use for missiles you're so good I'm told you made your own version of Colleen the caterpillar cake is that right? <laughs> You give Joe Wicks. <laughs> I did caterpillar the cake because on Facebook every Sunday morning I teach kids free baking classes. Um, and I just saw the trend on Twitter about Cuthbert and Colin the Caterpillar with um, a few leading supermarkets. And I felt, look, everyone can make their own with a really simple recipe. And it was just a funny cartoon of Caterpillar, except she was Colleen because she was Irish. And you and have a book, uh, apparently, as well. Have you? It's uh, on the yes, shops. Um, it's taken on, it's taken on Joe Wicks in the bookshops, I'm told. It's taken on Joe Wicks. I've, I self-published a book during lockdown because I got so many amazing followers on Facebook. They've been just amazing. And it was with that, they just pushed me to write a book. And during lockdown... I decided to write a book. So what other Egypt would write a book during lockdown except Trish? All right, so what's so, the book uh, called? I've been very lucky. Um, the book is called Baking with a Touch of Magic and it's um, through the book depository and Amazon and Waterstones and I've been just blessed. And can um, kids can kids and young people get on, involved in the online Facebook weekend bake? Oh yes, absolutely. I'm like a chipmunk on speed on Sunday morning so I'm not for everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> but the parents love it because they just plant their kids in front and they'll see me bouncing across the screen. We could be doing scones, of course. We could be doing biscuits, chocolate cake. Well, what about banana bread? 
banana bread. I'm, I'm over banana uh, bread. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had more time. So if people want to get involved with that, it's a touch of magic, is it? A touch of magic in Carrigaline, exactly. And okay. it's Facebook on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Okay, well, the quote of the day today for me is most definitely a chipmunk on speed. <laughs> And for the record, the only way to eat a scone is with butter, cheese, and jam. The only way to eat a scone is hot from the oven with about four tablespoons of jam, six liters of whipped cream, and a do not disturb sign on the kitchen door. Yeah, on a dinner plate, the way you're describing it. Anyway. Have a good day. See you later. Take care. Thank Cheers, so Trish. Lines are stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We had a good morning this morning. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.